There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> Seeing a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone, someone stole, stole a shark? shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. <laughs> Anything could be possible. It's really big. Get ready. Mm -hmm. Abduction Get vibes. Get jazzed. Holy moly. Get ready. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you are abducted. Okay. And it just stood up. Ready? I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cribs of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful Mystery. And I am just the infamous Jay. And we're joined by a couple amazing, truly monumental guests tonight. Jay? Oh, ooh, well put. Who we got in here with us? We got with us today Linda and her son Chris. Woo! Thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, we're back. Oh, yeah, we've hey. heard you. Oh, there we go. Linda Every and Chris are here. Woo! Hi. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That's Thank what, you. That's what we get for paranormal podcasting is weird stuff happens, right? That's what we'll blame it on. <laughs> it always does. But no, thank you guys for coming on. And if you could, please just kind of tell everybody who you are. We know who you are, but let the world know who you are. Good head start. Oh, my name's Linda Sigmund, and in 1967, I had a Mothman encounter. And I'd like to tell you about tonight. And Where are you from, Linda Sigmund? Oh, well, I grew up in Pomeroy, Ohio, along the river. And uh, now I live in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And I'm her adopted beloved son. Um, my name is Chris Parsons. I grew up in Ironton, Ohio. And as a 10-year-old boy, I had a UFO encounter that, <laughs> to say the word changed my life would be an understatement. And um, I've had some... Uh, I think I saw a Bigfoot running down our alley at one point, as well as a child. Uh, that was the local lore. And we've got some interesting encounters throughout our life, and we'd more than, be more than happy to talk about them. And I love to speculate about, you know, the whole idea and concept of let's, you know, what, however you want to refer to it, call it phenomenology or cryptid or whatever. I, I feel like, and I'd like to get your all's take on it, I feel like somehow it's mostly or a lot of it is all connected. Oh, yeah. It just uh -huh. seems like so many things bleed over into one another. And there's some crazy stuff going on out there. And we're eager to share uh, our experiences. And thank you for the uh, opportunity. Oh, no, thank you for thank you for being on here. You're uh, you guys are our first paid guest because I paid Linda in a in a T-shirt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> she loves that T-shirt. And I'll have to get you one, Chris. You'll, we'll, we'll talk about it after. Don't worry. I'll get you a T-shirt. I appreciate that. Uh, but no, I think we, we pretty much agree with you. We've talked several times on the show before about that. I think the biggest problem for the Bigfoot and the UFO community, first off, I know those are two separate things for most people, but the interconnectivity, the interconnectability between them. People have Bigfoot encounters and see UFOs and vice versa. And then 
Bigfoot people will ignore the UFO side of it. And UFO people will ignore the Bigfoot that was seen right before or right after. Right. And it's the whole picture. And I do think a lot of the paranormal, it's all a part of something bigger. And we're just experiencing these little pieces of the bigger phenomena. Whether that's, you know, like, yeah. I, I, so I think well, we're with you. I just wanted to say quickly, we talk to people, you know, honestly about the, about, we'll make sure to break the ice about it. I said, you've heard these uh, movies called Star Wars, and everybody, of course, says yes. I said, well, what do you think Chewbacca is? And they start laughing. If they don't understand it, I said, all he is is a Sasquatch in space. And they start to think about it. They go, yeah, you, you know, you might be right. That's but there's, uh, there's more than enough people who have seen both uh, UFOs near Bigfoot and Bigfoot near UFOs, I think, to make a, a, a legitimate connection. And um, I think maybe tonight we'll be able to do that. That's awesome. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. And that it's like... Well, I, yeah, well, I'm so excited for all the encounters. You guys have a plethora. Uh, but it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, we, me and Jay got the moonshine out. We're all drinking. We're all going to have some fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, please. We enjoy the conversation. Is to have fun and speculate. Tell our stories, but my thing is there's nothing more fun than being together a bunch of like-minded people and, you know, learn from yeah and you guys cut out there again for a little bit but i think most people will be able to pull what you were saying uh we are having some internet troubles on one of our sides so everybody at home just ignore it well i'll edit it as best i can but we're still gonna have fun oh yeah uh can you guys hear me i'm what you call a slider yeah can you hear me yeah yep, yes. can you hear me now yes <laughs> So you're what okay. you you say you're I'm what you call a slider. Okay. Don't really refer to slider. Uh, I affect all kinds of different appliances like lights, uh, computers, um, all kinds of stuff. Any kind of electrical uh, device, microwaves. Um, things will go off and on when I walk past. So you're doing wow. this. Yeah. Cut out again. So. Uh, there we that's go. That's something too that I fired after I had my experience. And that's happened. With, I can't wait to hear your experience, but I already, you know, I've heard several stories where people have had those phenomena happen to mm -hmm. them after experiencing, whether it's a cryptid, like we're going to talk about UFO or even poltergeist activity to where, you know, whatever it's. Yeah, we have that. <laughs> yeah. Your magnetic field gets messed up. My dad had an uncle that could literally, uh, I can't remember. He had like 113 light bulbs or something like that go out in his house in one month from what? himself. Like if he got too close to him, yeah, they blow. Wow! And everybody just said he was cursed. That that's pretty awesome or crazy at the same time. Yeah, oh, they he, can blow out when I put him in. Yeah, so that's what he was saying. He's like, he, now that was my yeah. great uncle or whatever. So I never met him, but they would yeah. say if he got too close to the light bulb, it would just turn. You know, it burn yeah. out. So he hated it because he couldn't change his own light bulbs. Wow. <laughs> but no, so who wants to start? Want me to start? Want me to tell you myself what happened? Once, uh, we have a little mountain forest here that um, I'm gonna get up from time to time to Yeah, to keep her uh to, to keep her muted. But uh <laughs> we'll let Linda start and I'm gonna take care of Phoebe. Sounds good. Um, All right, Linda, we're ready for you. We're so excited. 
My name is Linda Sigmund, and I grew up on the Ohio River in Pomeroy, Ohio. Um, my house was about 100 yards from the Pomeroy Mason Bridge, which uh, uh, to Mason, West Virginia. Mason, West Virginia is about 25 miles northeast of uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And that's where the Mothman was seen down in the TNT area. And when I was a teenager, uh, it first started in November, 1966. And all that fall and, and during the winter and early spring, we used to get the cars and go down there and look for the Mothman. Well, it was called the bird. That's what we called it. Everybody said, well, it's nothing but a big bird. And then people started seeing uh, UFOs. And then John Keel came and then Mary Heyer from the Athens Messenger started getting hold of the story and uh, she started uh, investigating also with uh, John Keel, and they found out that uh, there was a, a, a correlation between the Mothman and the UFO sightings. So on April the 15th, 1967, my boyfriend and I uh, went and we thought we'd go for a ride in the back country of uh, Mason, West Virginia, and look at the stars and see what we could see. We could see Mothman or, you know, and so we decided to go up there and park. Of course, we weren't going to tell our parents where we were going because they, <laughs> they wouldn't enjoy the idea of it. But uh, he picked me up about seven o'clock and, and uh, it was a warm evening. Um, there weren't any leaves on the trees or anything yet, but uh, it was a nice evening. And I can remember that we both had shorts on and I can remember just so vividly that evening going across the bridge and going into Mason, and we had ridden his horse a couple weeks prior to that back this one country road, and we decided we would go over there and, and uh, go up that road a little further. Well, it, it wound in and round about these houses. Uh, one of the farms up there was divided. Uh, the house was on one side and the barn was on the other, but it was an old gravel country road, and uh, it was, we got up there about 7.15 in the evening, and uh, we pulled off of the country road and uh, we backed in. So we it turned around back in so we could be headed out if we needed to get out of there in a hurry. And uh, he had a quilt in the back of his car that his grandma had made him. So we took the quilt and put it on top of the car and we both climbed up on the hood of the car. And uh, you could, it's just a big expansive sky. You could see all around, it was beautiful. And we're sitting there talking and uh, looking all around and to front of us, if you went over the hill and just a little further down, the Ohio River would be there. And to my right was a big field uh, where he was going to help some guy do hay. And, and there was a tree line, just a pasture and then a tree line that, that went all the way from the road back to the, to the back of that property. So we're sitting there talking. We were there about 10 minutes and it was just starting to get dark. And uh, I noticed he kept looking over to his right. And I'm like, uh, what are you looking at? Because it was just starting to get dust. I'm like, what are you looking at? He said, well, see that big star over there? I've seen it. I've been watching it for about 10 minutes. I said, well, that is unusual because it was sort of pulsating. It was like eye level through the trees. You could see it. And there weren't any clouds in the sky except over there where that star was. And uh, 
we kept watching and i said that that doesn't look right it's not moving and then it started to pulsate and uh it the whole sky turned pink and then red and this all of a sudden it just sort of opened up and this object came through and it reminded me now of what i think of as a uh, what do you call those things uh, not a pulsar but like something that explodes in space and uh, supernova supernova and uh, of course back then i'm like oh that's that's weird look at it and then it started to move and then we're like oh boy this must be those ufos that people are talking about so uh we're watching it and it's probably comes up parallel from us probably about 50 yards away well the thing was gigantic it was just like looking at a super moon and it was orange we're like oh my god what do we do now so um this is where my story gets really odd and very strange and i have some lost time which i'll tell you about here in just a little bit um uh, next thing i remember i'm sliding off the car because he jumped off the hood of the car it's dark by this time and that object's still coming and it gets out to the end of the tree line even with that country road and stops so i'm looking up at it uh to like one o'clock you know there it is and it's giant it's you it's humongous but it's only about 20 feet above the ground just about two stories up it's gigantic and uh i slide off the car i slide off the hood and i can remember uh we hadn't been there long enough that my leg got burned on the on the hood of the car because it was still warm oh and i'm sitting there on the quilt and uh this is uh i'll tell you about this part in a minute because i was regressed and remembered what happened next thing i can remember we're both in the car and he's behind the wheel and i'm on the passenger side and the thing is so big when i look out like this and look up i can't see the sky mm. and you know i'm not really afraid i'm more in awe and he doesn't have really anything to say he's trying to start the car so we can get out of there this thing is up there it's orange and under light underneath the lights are in the shape of like a t there's blue and white and uh, red lights no noise whatsoever except uh sort of maybe a, a small engine noise like a, a sucking and i said that thing's gonna suck us up and he starts to pull out and i'm hanging out the the passenger side i'm almost sitting on the window i'm not very big I only weighed about 90 pounds and i'm sitting on the passenger side hanging most of my body out the window so i can see this thing and all of a sudden I see this creature, this man-like thing, and it's flying up in front of us, away from the UFO, and it goes up in front of us. It's, it's anywhere from seven to nine feet long. It flies with its wings back. Its wings weren't moving, but it had wings, large wings that were two arm ways and round type of a head deal it didn't look like weighed much more than 
There you I'd back. say the thing weighed maybe between 180, 200 pounds. It wasn't really all that big, but it was like a muscle type thing. And it just went, and I'm like, look at that, look at that. And he's trying to drive, you know, and we're, we're about, oh, 30, 30 yards from uh, the road that we came in on. And uh, I'm like, look at that thing, look at that thing. And he says, I'm, I'm trying to drive. And I said, do you see it? Don't you see that? That's Mothman. That has to be that Mothman thing. And it flew in front of us whoosh, and up into the trees. Hmm. Wow. So I'm having a fit. I'm hanging out. He's fishtailing completely to the left. We're swinging back and forth and almost go over there. Straight over top of us and down over the river. We're fishtailing out and I'm grabbing him and I'm yelling. We didn't wear seatbelts back then. We had like a bench seat, you know, and I'm yeah. on top of him. Didn't you see that? that creature he goes no i'm trying to get out of here <laughs> a few cuss words and down over the hill we go well we went maybe a mile down over the hill there's a uh a, an old uh, strip mine where a lot of the kids went and parked and partied and stuff so i said let's pull in there let's stop i want to go back up there i want to see that mothman because it flew up into the trees he's like i'm not going back up there and i said <laughs> oh come on i wasn't afraid of anything i wanted to go back He's like, let's just sit here and settle down, and then maybe we'll drive back up there and see what we can see. So I'm like, okay. So we're sitting there talking a few minutes, and I said, I can't tell my mom because I'm not supposed to be out here parking <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was real strict. You know, he'd have been really mad. So we're sitting there for a few minutes, and all of a sudden we see these lights coming up over the hill that we came in on. The road that we came in on was the one that we went up over the hill on and stuff. But we came down that same road and we pulled off onto another little area off about, I don't know, 20 yards off the road and turned around. We're sitting there and here comes these lights. And I'm like, oh, there comes a car. We better go. Someone's going to come over here and ask us what we're doing over here. On the light, it was another UFO mm. and this one it was about the size of a small car like a volkswagen and it's traveling really really slow and it's just going along you know and it goes on it follows the road follows the road back and forth like that I'm like what the h is that because it was only like three feet above the road he goes i don't know he goes maybe that's that creature you saw and I said, I don't know, I'll just be real quiet. Maybe it won't see us, but oh, shoot. It got up parallel with us and it stopped. And it sat there for a few minutes and it, it started creeping down the road where we were. And it got almost to us and it slowed down and it went right up to the hood of the car. It couldn't have got any closer. It would have touched the bumper. And there it sat. And I'm like, oh. and we were trying to look at it, look into it, and it didn't hurt your eyes to look at it. It was like a bluish white, but it was kind of like a fluorescent white. But the odd thing about it, it looked like it was alive. It, you know what I mean? It felt like it was trying to communicate with us, like it was some kind of an entity. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, 
oh my god you know next thing i can remember i'm on the floor now how i got down there i don't know and he slumped over the steering wheel and that thing goes up over the hood and it's gone and the whole car filled with light so we're sitting there for a few minutes and just trying to take in everything that we that happened to us and wondering if that was the mothman come back after us or you know he was 17 i was 16. we both get out of the car he gets on his side and i get on my side and we look all around nothing it's real quiet you know nothing so i said well just take me home i i gotta tell my parents what what we saw and uh, it's okay so we start out the road and it we're not very far from mason we're just maybe two miles okay so we're in mason and we we go up and uh, go across the pomeroy mason bridge and my house is just right down over the hill to the left off the bridge along the river so we start getting on the bridge and i said i feel funny and he said i do too and i said how do you feel and he said well i can't explain it i'm not scared um i feel like somebody's been trying to communicate with me or something i said you know i feel like my brain has been picked back then you have to know that uh we didn't have computers cell phones or any internet or any of that kind of thing and the only thing that i could think was that someone had been trying to telepathically now the word upload wasn't in my vocabulary then but it was like somebody put something in my brain up until that point in my life i've always been psychic um, at the age of three i saw my guardian angel when i was five i saw a gray alien and uh uh in school they they say well you know linda you're weird uh you're a witch you have all this stuff but i i it was hard for me because uh i appeared weird and therefore i was quiet in school yeah but from then on out my psychic powers just went crazy and then uh it continued uh all that summer it was that way but i kind of squelched it but I would have uh, dreams that uh, that I would remember and uh, different things I would foretell. But anyway, we got down to my house and uh, it was dark. It was about 8.30 and I thought, well, that's weird because you know, he picked me up about seven. We weren't gone that long. And uh, I, I pulled in the driveway and my mother and father were sitting on the, the, we had a big porch on the front of our house that overlooked the river. And my dad came running out the car and I, I thought, well, something's wrong. And he said, hurry, get out of the car. I want to tell you something. It's like, what? And he said, well, your mother and I were sitting on the porch and directly across from us, there's a school. It's called Wahama High School, uh, West Columbia, Hartford and Mason, Wahama. And he said it was getting dark and uh, this UFO came up over that hill. And that's exactly where we were. It came up over that hill, came over the school, a small UFO, went up over the bridge towards Pumroy, the town of Pumroy. And my mother came running out on the porch. She said, that was grandma on the phone. We had landlines back then. She said, uh, she said, run, hurry up and go out. There's a UFO coming down your way. So uh, 
She was seeing one, they were seeing one, and I was seeing one, same time. Um, that'll figure kind of important as I tell you, the, continue to tell you the story. So anyway, uh, the weird thing about it is our family uh, on both sides has always had like clairvoyance, clairaudience, uh, psychic ability. Um, my grandmother, my mother's uh, father's mother, my great-grandmother, Emma Casto, was a, a shoemaker, was her last name. And they were, they came from uh, Alsace, France, over here in the 1800s, I think. And they settled in Pennsylvania, and they, they some of them were Pennsylvania Dutch. And then they moved into West Virginia and then into Ohio. So uh, after I had all this encounter, I did my family history. And my uh, uh, grandfather's cousin worked in uh, Washington, D.C., and she had access to all these archives and stuff. So she did uh, the background on the shoemakers and the casters and found out that uh, Sylvia Brown, shoemaker, Sylvia Shoemaker Brown was a distant cousin of my grandpa. And she's a psychic, but she has passed away three or mm. four years ago. Oh, wow. So um, I lived with all this, but uh, up to that, the date when the bridge fell on December the 15th, the 14th, we had a, a dance at school and I went to help set up for the dance and decorate and stuff. It's kind of like a prom, but it wasn't really. And our band was supposed to be coming from Huntington area. And uh, someone came in, they said, the Silver Bridge has collapsed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they said, you know, the band might have been on that bridge because they had to come up and across there from Mason to Pomeroy and that. But thank God that they weren't. But the night before it collapsed, I had the dream of uh, all these packages and things floating in the water, people screaming, kids screaming, uh, metal crashing and everything. And I didn't know until I read John Keel's book, uh, The Mothman Prophecies that other people had that dream. Wow. Hmm. So the weird thing too is almost everybody I've talked to that has had a sighting of Mothman in one degree or another uh, was related to Chief Cornstalk. Mm -hmm. And he's my sixth grade's grandfather on my on the shoemaker side. Wow. So um, the, the was he trying to protect me? I don't know. Because I went down there uh, two weeks before the bridge collapsed. We used to go across that bridge all the time at Point Pleasant, Silver Bridge. And that thing would swing back and forth and back and forth. And I went down there to get some Christmas presents at one of the stores in Point Pleasant. And uh, when I pulled in there, there's a weird-looking guy leaning against the side of the building. And he was dressed in black, a black hat, and he had sunglasses on. It was nighttime. So I went in the store and it was in there about 15 or 20 minutes and I came out, he was still there. And I looked to my right down the street and against a lamp pole was another one standing there. Mm -hmm. um, now back to my missing time, uh, about seven years, six or seven years ago, I just, I got a computer and I decided I was going to 
find out more about Mothman and find out if I could find some answers. And I had therapy about, I went to a couple psychologists, psychiatrists, try to help me with my PTSD. I would have dreams and then my psychic abilities became so much that I couldn't handle it. Um, I graduated from high school when I was 17. I was glad to be out of there because I could feel everybody's emotions and everything. So I found the Round Town UFO Society in Circleville. And uh, I sent them an email and said, told them that I had witnessed what I thought was Mothman and UFO together, which I guess there's only one or two other people that have had that experience with both of them together. And uh, I went to the meeting and told my story. And uh, a couple months later, they said, would you like to be hypnotically regressed to find out if there's anything else in your story? And I'm like, sure, why not? You know, maybe it'll help. So uh, that regression therapy that I underwent the whole session is on Round Town UFO Society, I believe, dot com. And it's also Round Town UFO Society on Facebook. And if you listen to it, I'd suggest you go halfway through it before you start listening because it's all the stuff where she puts me under and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what I found out when I slipped off of that car and I fell down on the ground, I sat there and I looked and there was a pair of large feet in front of me. And I looked up from the feet. I looked up and there was a pair of long legs and I continued to look up and I saw a massive creature standing in front of me and the thing picked me up and took me over to the car and he was in the car and it pulled him out and put me in and put him in and I remember hearing the door close. And then I remember him starting the car and us pulling off. So I drew some pictures, which will uh, they'll be in an upcoming book by Mark Randall. It's my story and this picture of me sitting there with that creature in front of me. And to think every time I think about that thing had a hold of me, I it's just sometimes more than I can handle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's basically my story um what it has left me with is more positive things than negative uh i like to use my abilities now to help people that have lost others to connect with their loved ones that have passed over and uh it is overwhelming to me i can be out somewhere and not know that it's going to happen and see someone and immediately be able to tell that they are dealing with it and I have walked up to strangers. I've embarrassed my kids and people that I've been with because I'll, I'll go up and say, um, you're looking for answers of your loved one that just passed. And then nine times out of 10, they start crying and we sit down and someone will come through and I'll have some kind of message for them that will help them out. So I'm thankful for that and uh, meeting people like you to, to help educate the public and knowing that we don't understand what this stuff is. Right. 
but there is goodness in some of it. Mm -hmm. And we take from it what we can and leave the rest and hope for the best. So that's my story. (laughs) Amazing. That's an awesome story. Um, An amazing encounter all the way through. Yeah. I now I do have I know you probably have got questions. Mm-hmm. I've got questions. Oh yeah. Because it's like didn't want to interrupt you. I know we had the audio trouble. It's gotten a lot better. Uh before we get to the questions, we had one little audio hiccup right when you were describing what the creature that flew across the road looked like. Will you just re-describe that real quick? Yeah. When I saw the creature, it was like it jumped and took towards the air. And it was getting dark at this time, but from the lights from the car and from the lights from the object that was above us, I could pretty well see it It was between seven and nine feet long. It had wings, but they were folded back as it flew. It didn't flap. And its head, I didn't see the eyes, which sometimes I'm glad that I didn't because I probably would have totally freaked out because they say it has big red eyes. But it looked like it was smooth, you know, like reptilian more than anything with feathers. It definitely wasn't a bird. It was more like a flying man, like you would think of a superman, Superman, you know, how Mm -hmm. on the old movies he has his arms back and he takes off flying. Yeah. And he goes up into the air. And I've watched it for probably 10 or 15 seconds go from down in front of me up to about the one or two o'clock position in front of me as I was hanging out that car door, uh, car window on the passenger side, and it flew up into the trees and turned around and sat there. And I could see it. And I was hollering, do you see it? Do you see it? He's like, I see it. It's a UFO. I'm no, no, don't you see that creature? And I'm pounding on him and trying to get him to Look, and we're fishtailing, trying to get out of there. And, uh, and he's like, I'm and- just trying to keep us alive. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me the heck alone. <laughs> I wish he would have seen it. Right. A different times I tried to get him to talk about what happened, and he wouldn't. Never would. That, so that's how me and my brother are. We both had the same Bigfoot encounter. But oh, yeah. I talk about it all the time, and he won't. He, it's a coin to what you can handle. Right. And it's, it, and he was two years younger than me, might have been at two, you know, it's, there's a lot of, it's just some people eventually, like we have, come around to being able to share it. Right. And others lock right. up, you know, it's too much. We have Bigfoot activity here now. It's, it started in 2015 when I moved out here in Parkersburg. And then uh, last year, Chris uh, moved up from Texas and he and I live here with our little dog, Phoebe, but uh, I'd go in the woods. I'd find structures. There's all kinds of stuff. And he can tell you about some of that if you want to. But did you have a question you wanted to ask me? Oh, yeah. Me? We got, I, I know I got a couple. So you had the two UFOs and the Mothman and then the creature you've seen during regression. Do you feel yes. that the creature you've seen during regression was the same entity as the Mothman or were they separate things? I think it was the same thing. Because when I drew it, after I came out of regression and I drew it, um, it appeared to have wings. Okay. But that was the thing, too. Uh, I'm like, those feet remind me of Bigfoot. But I think that, I think it was the Mothman. It, It had hold of me and picked me up. 
and put me in the car. But I'm wondering, you know, the therapist wanted me to come back and be hypnotized again. And at the time, I just didn't have the time nor the money. Right. And uh, she said, I know there's more. I know there's more. I know you encountered more. And I don't know if I want to know what happened. <laughs> Other think, than that was just almost more than I could handle. I think I'm there with you. I don't know if I would want to know any more after that. Because that's a lot right there. Uh, and so the, the first UFO was large. I had the triangle or the, the T-shaped lights. The second one was this, how would you describe the shape of it? This ball of light or this light? It round. Round? Round. Mm-hmm. Was it, well, could you tell when it was coming down the road, was it long or was it more like a ball? No, it was a ball. It okay. always continued to be a ball. And even when my mom and dad saw it, my grandma and grandpa saw it, it was a ball. Yeah. Now they told us that they told their neighbor and they said, well, we've been watching that thing. We get up every morning and just like clockwork between three and three fifteen every morning, that thing goes from, uh, follows route seven out away from, uh, the river that route seven will go from the bypass. Now upon Roy where the, uh, fairgrounds is, it'll follow that, that ball would follow that road. People told them too they saw it and they could look out eye level and watch that thing go up the river towards Racine, Ohio, turn around by a big smokestack and come back down and go down the river every morning. Wow. So that's and my, my grandparents just happened to be outside that right night. Right at the right time. Working hard. Yeah. And they saw it. So that's the small one. No, they so they seen the they all seen the small one, not the yes. great big huge one. Yes, the white one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think those big ones are more common than people realize, but I think they're just so large and dark that most people don't, if you're not looking at the sky real hard, they just kind of pass over without you really seeing them. If that thing wasn't moving and we saw it through the trees, I would have swore it was a full moon Mm. when it burst through, but then it turned red and then it turned like a real hot orange and it stayed that color until it got out to the road and started coming to us and then it turned like to the side and we could we could see the bottom of it real well and then it got over top of us and uh, when we looked up all we could see was the bottom of it did, did it just pretty much just seem like light the whole time as best as you could describe mm-hmm. now you just, you felt like it was i don't know i don't want to put words in your mouth you felt like it was trying to communicate or alive or something like that uh, the little one. The little one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. It uh, because it was just like, where are you? It's kind of like because it was following the road. You know how if you would have a a drone or something, right, and yeah. how you can make it follow a certain path. It was following that road until it saw us and it stopped. And I said, oh my god, it stopped. I can remember that thing stopping, and it sat there for just a few seconds, and it was like, oh, there you are. You know, it started coming <laughs> toward us. I really wasn't afraid. That was the weird thing because when it got right in front of us, it just was encompassed our sight right in front. And uh, I tried to looking at it and I wanted to get out. And he's like, no, you stay in the car. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a bluish white, like a fluorescent light. But I I felt like it was an entity. I feel like it was a shapeshifter. Now, that's interesting you say Mm. that. Now you're 
was the shape of it when it was in the ball? Was it like a hard ball, or was it kind of moving around or soft? Or um, it was just exactly like looking at a light bulb. Okay, sorry, so many questions about that because no, we, not at all. We it have, didn't hurt your eyes to look at it. You know, if you stare at a light bulb for very long, it will. But this just mm. it was a warm light. Hmm. So we've covered on our show several times about organic UFOs and literally like creatures, like the UFOs themselves are the animals in a way. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them are bioluminescent, so they produce their own light. Now, there was the Ohio manta ray, which is a bioluminescent giant jellyfish-like manta ray that was seen right there at Point Pleasant in 2006. Really? Flying wow. up and down the river by several different witnesses. But that just what made me. That's what it. I. It's. I am obsessed with the organic UFO theory. But it just the way you described it really makes me think of that. That it's alive. It's you know. It's curious. It's not that. And being well, that's a, how it seemed curious. That's a good word. That and it being on a routine, like she said. You know, it's doing the same yeah. thing every day. Like an yeah, animal. yeah. Like big cats do that. Like they have their own patterns. Like you know, they they do the same thing. Now, did any part of your encounter? With any the two UFOs or the Mothman, did anything feel to you personally nefarious? No. Okay. Not one bit. Hmm. Now what? That's what, what, what said. Um, I think I've got out of it more than uh, some people because I have always had an innate curiosity for the unknown, and uh, sometimes that get me into trouble because I, you know, get out into places and in things that I probably shouldn't, but uh, I was just in awe. I was in awe mm -hmm. of it. I was a little afraid and a little suspicious. I think that's why I didn't remember actually after I fell off how I got into the car because I think it would have been too much for me. I don't know whether they told me telepathically, you know, you're okay, you're okay. I don't remember any of that, but I do remember that odd feeling I had in my head where it was like my brain was uh, picked. That's all I can say. Yeah. Now, yeah. that's it's an amazing... What questions you got? Huh? Do you got any questions? Oh, no. Go on with your thought. I, I, no, okay. That it's, it's amazing that you feel that way. The words you just used, in awe. You, you know where I was going with that? Yeah, that's yeah. what uh, we've heard before. So literally, we've had several people on for their organic UFOs, mm -hmm. and almost every one of them, accidentally or whatever, th just in their conversation, has said they felt like they were in awe. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people say that it's almost like watching like a, a whale go by, to where you're, oh. it's big, but you're not scared of it for some reason because you know it's not there to hurt you, it's not there to mess with you in any like meaningful, you know, it's just existing. Mm -hmm. But that is a you have an amazing encounter. Oh yeah. What's your question? Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel blessed. I feel blessed, and like I said, it it really helped me to spiritually open up. Uh, I'm a born again Christian, and uh, you know I've talked to minister about uh, my abilities, and he said it's biblical. You have the oh, yeah. power, the gift of discernment. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, so that's nothing to be worried about, but use it for the good. Right. That's why I never have anything bad. I want to tell anybody. I rarely pick up on anything bad. Usually it's something to give validation to people that know that how I get names, places, events, dates, but mostly names. 
Um, so I told this one girl, I said, you just, she was a dental hygienist and she's working on my teeth. And it's usually have to, to be in close contact with that person. I usually have to touch them. Mm-hmm. She was working on my teeth and I said, you just lost somebody. And she said, she didn't say anything. First thing she said, yeah, my grandma. And then she was kind of upset, so I didn't push it. And later she came back in and she said, do you think my grandma's okay? Because she knew I had abilities. I had told her. I said, who are Donna and Diana? And she said, Donna was my grandma that just passed. And Diana is my step-grandma who's kind of like stepping up and helping her get over this. So it's stuff like that. So, you know, it brings tears to my eyes, too, that I can give people comfort. Yeah. Of all in the world. You know? It's an amazing gift. It really is. And I'm, yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm with you. It's just, it is an amazing gift to use for good. And it's mm-hmm. that comfort for people. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Did you have a question about her encounter? Um, I mean, the the one big question you hit on was the... uh. The, cre- the whatever creature picked you up and carried you back into the vehicle. Yeah. Um, I'm, did the guy you were with at the time, you said he hasn't really talked about it. Is that publicly or just even privately with you at all? Have you been? He never to- talked about it. Um, we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. We ended up, we ended up getting married and we were married for only like three months and he had a lot of problems. And uh, now that I look back on it, I think that, you know, some of that might have affected him and he didn't know how to uh, how to deal with all that because mm-hmm. uh, we were very young and uh, but every time I would bring it up he's like I just can't talk about it so yeah. we never talked about it and now I haven't talked to him since yeah. 1969 oh okay he lives in Columbus so been a few years I yeah don't, I, don't know. I was just curious if his experience if he could describe it even the same as how you're describing, but I'm assuming I've probably been not. I'm curious about it too. Uh, if I ever have the opportunity, I'll uh, I'll try to to find out. But yeah, uh, so much that we went through back then, I haven't really at the time right. really felt like dredging it up. And yeah, like I right. said, I lived with this for oh, gee whiz, almost sixty years, and uh, yeah, probably was. And then. Uh, if it wouldn't have been for the Roundtown UFO Society, and they help a lot of people because people can go, go there. They meet the second Thursday of every month uh, at the American Legion in Circleville, Ohio. There's a room in there, and everybody's welcome, and they can come in, and they're never judged by what they share with others. And they've got a got a Zoom going now, so you can go on their site, and get hooked up and, and, you know, join in on the meetings. Oh, wow. We'll have to hit them up. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. We go to Circleville pretty often. Six o'clock from six to nine. That's awesome. Hmm. We go to Circleville pretty often. I never knew it was there. No, me either. I just knew about Mm -hmm. the pumpkins. The armory is right there as you uh, start back over where Rural King and and, um, Bob Evans and all those places. I know exactly where you're at. And there's a big, great big flag right there beside the... the, uh, what is it? The lodge. Oh, the where the they Legion? the American Legion. Legion. That's it. Oh. American Legion. That's um, awesome. Okay. I uh, thank you for uh, letting me tell my story. Uh, thank you for telling us. 
That's one of oh. the coolest encounters we've ever had on the show. I mean, it really Thank is. It it's, really is. Uh, I mean, it's pretty awesome because we covered we covered Mothman. Oh, we you know, did pretty nine and a half hour episode yeah, on the Mothman. thoroughly. Just because there's a lot to the story, and not everyone always tells the whole story. Uh, we part. left out the Men in Black thing. We never even talked. She's oh yeah, seen the Men in Black. You even seen the Men in Black? Yeah, so, Men in Black. Yeah, all they they were so strange because the one guy was just leaning up against the building with one of his legs up, and he had on a black suit, a black tie, a white shirt, and black hat and sunglasses. And that's why he just stuck out like a sore thumb because down there you wouldn't see any Asian looking people, you know, um, they just, there just weren't any families at that time. Right. Uh, it's, it's West Virginia. Ethnicity. And, uh, they both, his skin was a pallor type of a, uh, it, and he just looked odd and not to even notice that I walked past him, not even moved, nothing. He was very stoic and still stood very still. And then I looked, turned and looked down the road, and against a light post, there stood another one. I'm like, oh, holy cow. And at that time, I just thought, well, that's those G-men that my mm -hmm. dad said were down there uh, trying to find things did about you, what's going on. Did you get any weird, with your with your gifts, did you get any weird vibes off of them or anything like that? Oh, I couldn't hardly get out of the car and go go into the store. I just, you know, I just thought, wondered why and why I was feeling that way. Uh, but I just parked in front of the store and sat in the car for a few minutes and, you know, people were coming and going. So I went ahead and went in, but I kept looking out there and he was still there. And I kept thinking, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. And then I thought, well, he didn't even look at me when I, I kind of nodded and said hi when I went in. And he didn't even act like he's in the same planet, you know. Yeah, might not have been. <laughs> Right, and it's weird that you've seen two of them. Yeah. So where was the third? Mm. Like, that's really what bugs me about that is that almost always, I mean, we did a lot of it, you know, those types are always seen almost in threes. He's probably across the street. Right, or talking to somebody. <laughs> They're just lookouts. The museum wasn't there yet, so he wasn't there. He might have been in jail. <laughs> now, did you... Bring the cafe or... Did you I guess they bothered Mary Heyer. She was down oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. They bugged her. They came in there and talked to her. They were very creepy with Mary. That's 100%. <laughs> like, they were aggressive and creepy. Uh, now, with them, did you feel anything, like, nefarious about those entities, those people, those things? Um, they gave me the creeps. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to. I thought that what I thought was... No wonder my dad didn't want us to tell anybody about what we had experienced because I wouldn't want those guys coming up the house and being all weird and, you know, asking us because they, they just, they seemed real, um, oh, you know, just not very personable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people have described him as almost being like being around big predators. Like how people, well, yeah. pe they're tall. They, this, that, Either one of them were very tall, five seven maybe, five mm -hmm. eight. Uh, but like I said, part of that was hat. <laughs> right, and but still, with being that small, they have enough presence to, mm -hmm. to to bother you. Now another weird thing that you know probably he won't care if I tell it. Uh, my ex husband's um, cousin was Woodrow Durenberger. Do you know who he yes, is? Yes, he wrote yes. the book. Yeah, the book we read. Uh, yeah. 
It was his cousin. It wow. wasn't a close cousin, maybe a, like a second cousin once removed or something like that. But uh, I didn't find that out either until after we were married and I had kids. And he's like, well, Woodrow's my, and it's in his family tree. That's crazy. I'm wow. like, oh, she was. <laughs> no wonder everybody he didn't want nothing to do with it. Especially in a small town like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woodrow saw that uh, Indrid cold out on Route 77, which is five miles from my house here as crow flies. Wow. So it's just a small world. It is, especially pe- mm-hmm. people, if you go to Mothman Fest, which you're going to have your book available there, everybody, I suggest buy it. I'm going to try to get one. If you don't sell out by the time I get to you. Oh, I'm sure he'll have plenty down there. Uh, but you need one. But well, you go to Mothman Festival, and I think last year I had like 35,000 people or something like that. But you go during the off season, or the, the not the festival weekend. Right. It's like a town of like, what, 700? Yeah. It's pretty quiet. There's always somebody there, though. Oh, yeah. There's always people in and out of that museum. Which uh, we went, we go every year, just go down and take the grandkids and go down and have a good time. And, uh, you know, they love to go and get shirts and oh yeah, picture taken and stuff. We were but, there. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff Walmsley is the man that has yep. uh, the, the Mothman Museum down there. And when it first opened, my son was a uh, band director out at Gallia Academy, which is the Galpless is... Uh, you know, right across the, the river from Point Pleasant. And when they opened, uh, he took his band over there. He was band director, and they played music at the opening. That's awesome. Because he, he knew that I'd seen Mothman. And back then, I wasn't telling anybody because people were still thinking everybody was weird. But people are more open now. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's that's changed the last five years, it feels like, more. There's, I, uh, it, you it, know, I would like for Chris to to tell you a little bit about uh, some of his experiences. Please, yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Linda. So I'm finished unless you guys have more story, more questions of my story. I was just going to tell you that, uh, to you saying that there's somebody always in Point Pleasant, we were were speakers at a conference in North Carolina, the Encounter Quest, the the Paranormal Encrypted Conference. So we pulled through Point Pleasant at like 3 a.m., got out to get pictures, and there was a family... From like another country there. You remember that? Uh, oh, I can't quite it. remember. And it was like, because they were there, because uh, they were coming up right after we were done getting our pictures at like 3 a.m. with okay. the statue. Oh, okay. Awesome. And it's just as funny that it's just like, yeah, it's like on everybody's, I can't remember where they were from, but English was not their first language. Right, yeah. Probably French Canadians. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Uh, but thank you, Linda, so much. Well, I hope to see you guys down there at the festival. Oh, you oh, will. Yeah. Oh, you will. Jeff Walmsley. Wants me to tell my story. I don't know. Uh, I haven't signed anything, or he hasn't got got with me to tell me what he wants me to do, or whether he just wants me to be at my table, or or what yet. That's still to be decided. But I'll probably see you guys down there. And and thanks again. Thank you, Linda. Yeah, thank you. Here's Chris. All right. Okay. All right. I don't know if uh, culture would be better, or if we could do um, if we we do the camera view, but. I've got it on a little tripod there. Maybe that'll help. It's all good but for us. Just to give you my background, I grew up in the sprawl. I I lovingly call it the sprawling metropolis of Ironton, Ohio. <laughs> um, I, it's 
I don't know if you're familiar I've with been it. to Ironton. What'd you say? It's in Lawrence County, Ohio, which is the most southern county in Ohio. Um, population about 15,000. Small, tight-knit community. You know, it's always going to be home. I haven't lived there since I was 28. But I absolutely love the home and so many friends and and, and people I, I know to this day still live there. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, played football there. And then I went and played football briefly at Marshall University. Um, and it was a great town to grow up in. I have nothing but amazing memories from childhood and all of my friends growing up there. But one of the most amazing things that happened to me that is absolutely, oh God, defined my life in a way that I never would have imagined was me. Um, I believe it was, I was about, I want to say anywhere from 10 to 12 years old. I absolutely do not remember the year. It would have been in the 70s. And I remember that I had, my parents had gotten me uh, one of those bicycles that looks like a dirt bike. It's got the fake, yeah. uh, it's got the, the fake uh, gasoline tank with the flames on it yeah. and the knobby uh, uh, tires. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, I'll never forget it. And I remember riding out in the alley. And at that time, and I, I think it's still true to this day, that particular alley in Ironton was not paved. There were a lot that were, and the one I used to ride in behind my house was gravel. So my friends and I used to set up, um, you know, jumps and we would jump on wood and we'd do the, we'd slide in the gravel. We'd have a blast out there. And I remember going out there and riding and I got done and I came back home and it was kind of an overcast day, very, very, uh, billowy clouds, I believe we call those cumulus, or uh, or I'm trying to think the ones that look like big uh, that look like big uh, uh, cotton candy clouds. Yeah, right, yeah. And they were low. They felt like it just felt like they were so low. Like I'm like, you know, there's times where you look like you could reach up in the sky and just pull them out of the sky. But it started off with an with this weird feeling to look up in the sky and. It was, it was almost like something was tapping me in my mind, like saying, look up, look up. And I'm like, what? And I remember looking up and I, and I saw it and uh, it was flat on, it was flat on bottom, domed on top. And it was a dirty, uh, dirty kind of like silver metallic gunmetal like type gray, sterling silver uh, color. Um, and it was, it was basically hovering right in the cloud cover almost like it was hiding but it was showing and i remember looking up and i describe it I, and i do ufo talks all over ohio and i've got a bunch lined up in west virginia now i do powerpoint presentations at um, libraries and um clubs you name it i mean i'll go in front of one to two i don't care how many people i've i've spoken to as few as three people in an official capacity and in as many as almost 300, um, I believe in Norwood, Ohio, a couple years ago, and then in Gallup-Plus had a uh, standing room only in, in libraries um, that, that are interested in this phenomena of UFOs and Bigfoot and things like that. But I remember thinking to myself, I call it my laundry list. I looked up in the sky and I said, not a bird, not a plane, not Superman. You know, I learned how to read by reading <laughs> comics. I love comics. To this day, I'm, I'm a huge sci-fi fantasy fan. Lord of the Rings, 
Dungeons and Dragons, Star Trek, you name it. I love all of that stuff. Love to read it. Love to watch the movies. I mean, I am a pop culture junkie when it comes to science fiction and fantasy, uh, whether it's computer gaming, you name it. I love it all. Um, but I remember looking up saying, not a bird, not a plane, not a kite, not a helicopter, not a plane. You know, it's stationary. And I remember, you know, just watching it in my mind, you know, in my, as a kid, I'm thinking, you know, what in the world is that? Because that looks like something I've seen in the movies. And the clouds go by and it kind of obscures it. And then eventually, um, and I can't even tell you if it was, it could have been one minute, it could have been in 10 minutes, but I could not tear my eyes off of this object. It just, it, it just had me locked in. And then a, a gigantic cloud, how did I describe it, goes by between my vision and it, and it was gone. It was gone. I never saw it left. It was just gone. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, you question your sanity. I'm like, what in the world was that? And it was it it was funny because we used to have, you know, in Ironton, they had two or three different really cool little uh, places where I go to get magazines and comic books. And I remember going downtown and I'd love to remember the name of the shop, but I'll never forget it that I saw it there the first time. They had magazines for sale, books for sale, but they also had like uh, people would bring in their old books, sci-fi books, and I would buy them, especially the ones that I had read. And I remember looking down, seeing from 19, I believe it was 1968, Eric Von Donneken's book, Chariots of the Gods. Mm -hmm. And I picked that up. And then later on that summer, I was able to watch the show. And it's just, you know, I mean, from that moment on to say that I was hooked again is an understatement and ever, every book I could get my hands on, every documentary I could get, every conversation that I could start, I would ask people about, you know, what have they seen? Do they know anyone, uh, you know, like, what are your interests? And I immediately, oh, I'm into UFOs. I'm into Bigfoot. I'm into this. I'm into the, whatever you want to call it. I call it now phenomenology i one of my favorite researchers from canada grant cameron i think he calls it that as well as believe it or not i think the cia even cia and and their scientists call it phenomenology but whatever we want to call those strange things that go bump in the night uh cryptids you know the whole nine yards i have been absolutely fascinated in, in trying to figure out what did i see uh, and so many other people, too. And that's exactly how uh, Linda, my beloved mother, and I met was through the Roundtown UFO Society when I was living in Columbus. And it's such an amazing group of people. It's It feels like an extended family. Those people are, are incredible, Pete and all of them. And I immediately, you know, bonded with those people. And that's when I started doing my presentations. One of the guys that used to go to the... Um, that used to go to those meetings and MUFON said, you know, your knowledge level of, of this phenomena uh, is is almost, uh, is just crazy. I mean, you know all of the cases, you talk about it uh, very eloquently, and of course, I, I thanked him for it, but I think that, and I think you all would agree, when it, what, whatever it is in your life that you, you find that you have a passion for, there's a tendency, let's say, to become good at it, whatever that is. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, you name the subject, and if you have a passion and a flair and a desire for it, you, 
there's a very, very good chance that you become an expert. I mean, what do they say? 10,000 hours? Yeah. Right. I think how many hours of my life. (laughs) And, you know, and I don't regret a single solitary second, Um, not only from the, the lifelong pursuit of what may be interacting with us uh, as a species, but just the relationships alone. And I love people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Christopher William Parsons, and I've always had this ability to connect with people. I love, I'm, I'm the type of guy that loves to walk into a room of strangers and I'll walk up to anyone and I love doing it and introduce myself or, or crack a joke or look for the loneliest person in the room and, and do what I can to go ameliorate their their uh, their hesitancy or their pain or or their their discomfort. You know, to walk over and and be a friendly face. I'd love to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a book right now called Connecting with People, and it's something that I feel very passionate about. Along with UFOs, that's the other thing that I love to do is is to meet and talk to people. Uh, obviously, about this, but almost anything, um, and give people the ability to do that. But the, the conversations I've had over the years, and, and you all know, you go to the conferences and you think about all the documentaries, all the things you've seen on YouTube, all the great stories that you hear, and there's no shortage of stories, of things, of people that we learn about that are just astounding, that are uh, amazing. And when I do my my talks, I say, you know, one of the things we all have to be, and I really do believe, I think you all would agree with this, is incredibly conservative and, and very skeptical, so to speak, in in people's stories. Not to say that you don't believe them, but you always want to try and find a tertiary or reasonable explanation for mm-hmm. whatever you're seeing. Mm-hmm. You start out with that premise. Did I see a UFO? No, it was a star. Did I see a Bigfoot? No, it was a bear. Did I see a shadow person? No, it was a shadow, you know, and do your best to try and find a reasonable, plausible explanation. And like Sherlock Holmes said in the book, once you've eliminated almost every other possibility that you can, I'm not saying that it's a shadow, shade of shadow person or Bigfoot or UFO. It falls into that. We're not exactly sure what we're talking about. It could be something other. And those are the stories. And of course, I'm sure between the four of us or five of us, there's so many famous stories out there of encounters, whether it's Roswell, whether it's um, Rendlesham Forest, whether it's the Chicago hair sighting in 2007 above the airport. I mean, there are so many cases that have been vetted, that have been witnessed by people that are extraordinary because all, it seems like all those other explanations have been uh, researched have been sought, and you're left with this up close, usually amazing experience that people, and I'm sure you could, and I want to ask you about your Bigfoot because I haven't had a chance to hear your experience, but the feeling you have afterwards, um, it, it, it's just like being caught in history. You know, I remember, and I'm sure you all would feel this way. I, re- I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing uh, when the, uh, during 9-11. Right. I can tell you exactly mm-hmm. as a child what I was feeling and seeing when I saw my so-called UFO in the sky. And like mom will tell you, like, and like you all know, and, and the interviews and the stories you hear from people, the emotions and the connections, the feelings, uh, whether they're just 
purely biological or driven by maybe uh, an entity in some type of consciousness, uh, those are fascinating to, to study because I feel like, and I think this is definitely true in life, we're always going to have more questions than answers. There's 100%. no doubt about it. 100%. And the big questions in life are, help me out. Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? How long have I got? And what's it all about? I mean, those are the those are the basic questions we struggle with our entire life. And then there's the fifth or sixth one is what in the world <laughs> is all of this stuff that's going bump in the night, as I love to call it? What could that possibly be? And then you look in the film and you look, you know, it's so easy to look at an Independence Day. It's so easy to look at uh, the day the Earth stood still. All these amazing science fiction films where people, it, it, whether it's uh, Mars Attacks, you know, being <laughs> 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 an amazing, exactly, <laughs> comedy uh, of what what these things could be. And, and, and as humanity, you know that one of the best ways to process anything through trauma or just being human is our sense of humor and how that we have taken these phenomena and put them in film, put them in books, put them in cartoons, how we have entertained ourselves with it as a possible means to understand it and catalog it in our in our minds and in our culture. But, and I'm sure you guys are, are aware of it, uh, the disclosures that are coming out, and I love to say that word disclosure because UFO disclosure is something that I have been following like so many other people for decades. And you have these pilots now, like David Fravor coming out talking about the Nimitz encounter, I believe in 2004, off the coast of California. An amazing story of this 30-foot-long tic-tac-shaped object that defied the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. And you meet these people, and I have met the researchers, the people like Richard Dolan, uh, Peter Robbins, just Grant Cameron, the, I mean, giants um, in the UFO community who have spent their lives um, discussing and, and researching this phenomena. And, and again, tons of questions, but I feel like, and I think Stephen Greer just, what is not even a month ago, had another, had another um, news conference in Washington with even more witnesses. So all of these people coming forward, uh, I believe uh, another guy by the name of Robert Grush just came forward mm -hmm. and they vetted his background. He's 36 year old, retired, I believe Navy, um, military man with impeccable credentials. And he basically went on record and said, I can't prove it, but I have talked to enough people in the know to say that we have crashed vehicles of unearthly origin. And here we've been reverse engineering them for decades. Um, and so we're left with all these pieces that I think are slowly but surely coming together to create this incredible mosaic or or story of what in the world has been going on at least in terms of ufology and these creatures and we we talked about it before we started the show all the times that you have seen uh, ufos in the general vicinity and people have actually seen and, and the, there's actually t-shirts i'm sure you guys have seen the yeah. t-shirts Here's a dish-shaped UFO in a, in, a, in a Bigfoot being being down. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, people have actually seen and experienced these phenomena in, like I said earlier, 
I think we all have to be incredibly skeptical, have to immediately say, let's always look for a rational, reasonable, plausible explanation. Because if we don't do that, we may as well be wearing tinfoil hats and and be the the people that the the vast majority of people want to say, you all are crazy. It's like, I'm definitely Fox Mulder. I want to believe, but I only want to believe because I believe there has been enough research, enough highly vetted, uh, plausible, rational people who have seen things that can't be uh, spirited away, that can't be explained away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love to say this in my talks, and I'll say it here tonight. In the entire history of all this cryptid, cryptids, uh, UFOs, ghosts, you name it. I mean, let's put it all together. All of the stuff that is the subject of movies, the subject of lore, the subject of 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 um, of stories from from the beginning of of human origin. If only one of these things are real, uh, one ghost, one Bigfoot, one UFO, then there is something going on. Right. I don't need a million. I don't need ten thousand. I don't need ten. I need one, and one is going to lead to a lot of other things. And so. The thing that mom and I do constantly, like it's become a ritual for us, is to make dinner, come in, and turn on YouTube or go to Tubi and find a really good, uh, you know, documentary or or stories. You know, and there's tons of podcasts. You all are leading the fray. There's so many good people out there that have this interest in the in the subject matter, and you know, I don't want to chastise. The, <laughs> The, I consider the the regular world, and I don't ever expect anyone to be so incredibly um, interested in it like we are. But I defy anyone to tell me it's not at least interesting and, and maybe even entertaining. And if you spend enough time, maybe even educational and and worthy of our time. Um, I, we were just talking about it the other night. You know, you, you look at the the state of 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 the of the earth you look at the wars going on the constant wars you look at our political um polarization going on between the right and the left and if you're in power you're going to impeach the other side i mean it's just amazing uh this level of acrimony going on between in politics and just the world and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny it i think a little bit of maybe extraterrestrial insight uh, could be a very valuable thing because like my one of my favorite movies of all time is Contact with Jodie Foster. And I remember when she's before the board talking when she's being vetted to mm-hmm. be the person to go take the trip. Um, they ask her brilliantly, if you were only allowed one question to ask the extraterrestrial, do you remember what she said? Oh, I can't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a pretty cool question. It's not the only question I would ask. But it's the question is, how did you survive the ability to destroy yourselves? Mm, okay. We've had technology, obviously. Oppenheimer's coming out, and I've heard I've heard some amazing things from, you know, I love, who, who doesn't love Christopher Nolan and all the amazing movies he's made? But they talk about how incredible this movie's going to be, and I definitely want to watch it with mom. But you think for at least a human lifetime, we have had the ability to destroy the Earth many times over, and if somehow, either with divine help or extraterrestrial help or whatever, if we can survive the worst facets of, of humanity and actually have 
the ability to leave the earth because we all know from science that eventually the sun is going to was going to decay and the entire solar system is going to be um, consumed. The the birthright of humanity, and I think Carl Sagan said it too, is the stars. And whether we develop the technology to take us take ourselves there through our own ingenuity and and or if we get help, I don't give a damn. As long as I think long term, if if I'm lying on my deathbed and I can say to myself, the, the children of my family, my friends, and their and their offspring, they're going to go to another solar. Just you know, just like in the best science fiction, that it's not not all going to be worth just X amount of time. That we have the ability to take ourselves and maybe grow up a little bit, and and start acting like uh, good galactic citizens and maybe become explorers like Trek. You know, one of my favorite stories in the world is going out there and discovering what we've got going on, but again to to come back to come full circle this absolute passion and infection of trying to figure out who what where when and why you know obviously you all have it too we all do this for a very distinct reason yep. is this unbelievable curiosity that we have either from a primary encounter or just being curious period i mean obviously no one I mean, one of the best UFO researchers of all time was Stanton Friedman, God rest his soul. Uh, he never saw a UFO, but the concept of it and the sightings, I mean, this is a brilliant physicist spent more than half of his life trying to figure out who and what they were. And the knowledge that he brought to bear and, and the conversations is just so worth it. But to this day, um, I every single day you know that that i can that i can have a conversation that i can read a book that i can have that big picture discussion who are we where did we come from why are we here what's our purpose and are we alone you know that's the other big one um i want to know those answers and it is so much fun to meet people to talk to people at conferences on podcasts in real life um, and there's so many ways to break the ice to bring that out and Wearing a Bigfoot T-shirt is a great way. Oh, yeah. Mom oh, was yeah. in uh, Rural King the other day, and she had a Bigfoot um, a magnetic bracelet that she got down in uh, Sutton at the Bigfoot Museum, and that was a great way. A guy literally said, oh, I, I love your Bigfoot uh, bracelet that you've got on, and that sparked a conversation. Yep, every so time. So it seems like that that we just absolutely love. And um, obviously I have diarrhea of the mouth. I can talk about this. <laughs> for hours i know we i i don't want i don't want to go on and on but i think what in the time that i've spoken i think you can hear and see and feel how important it is to both of us and how much fun and how much how much enjoyment and how much pleasure real I've passion gotten from having these discussions and trying to learn as much as we can as to what these things may be that we've either personally encountered or hundreds, if not thousands, millions of people all over the world have been encountering, maybe going back to the beginning of time. Oh, yeah. yeah.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, I, I agree with that. Yeah. You can it, tell you guys got real passion. Right, and it both stemmed oh. from personal experiences, which is even more awesome, you know, from your youth. And it's just funny how, like, a little experience that only lasted, you know, minutes of your life can, can change your life. Yeah, change your it whole projection of everything, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you care to uh, do you care to tell me about your Bigfoot encounter? I'll give I have. You. I don't believe I heard that at the uh, at the uh, at the uh, at the fest. I'll give I was you wondering the, if you could share that briefly if you don't if, if you, you don't quick. mind if we've got the time. Yeah, I'll give you the quick. I'll give you the ending, and then I'll send you the episode to listen to the whole thing because we've done it on our own show a couple times because it was over. Like we had a bunch of small events that led up to a sighting. So it was over two years worth of little, like, just the little stuff happening, if that makes any sense. Sure. Uh, Whether it would not, sir. So we had, uh, so oh, let me get the year right. I've been drinking everybody at home, so no shocker, but let me make sure I get my years right. <laughs> I believe it was 2011 and 2012, right? Uh, yeah. You've heard me tell it enough. I, I'm th- somewhere in that range. Uh, 2011, let's just say that, because I should have been, I would have been, yes, I would have been 16, 2011. Okay. I could drive. Yes. Okay. Um, we lived on a big family farm here in Northwest Ohio. I had a bunch of siblings. Uh, this year we started this 2011. We started having weird stuff happen around the farm, uh, like little piles of stuff being put everywhere. Um, and then like this big, my dad had a big grain bin cause we had horses. I had, we had like 40, 50 goats. I had like 500 birds whether they're ducks, chickens, geese, all that. I showed fancy poultry. Like, I literally had some chickens that were, like, worth 900 bucks. So I showed real fancy. But I also had a lot of $1 chickens, too, don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, so we had all these animals. And we all had our own 4-H projects. We, You know, pigs, all kinds of stuff. So that big grain bin was getting left open. And the lid was, like, 100 pounds because it would fit a pallet of each type of feed because my dad would just buy it by the pallet because it was cheaper. Uh, so that would like rats then could get in there and that kind of stuff and spoil the horse feed. Horses can get really sick. I'm sure you guys know, but everybody at home, horses can get really sick from rat pee. So you don't want them sitting there eating rat or horse food, peeing all over it. So anyways, this, like, so this bunch of small stuff happens and that year, uh, 4th of July. So our driveway was about, uh, uh, three fourths a mile long. You couldn't see our neighbor's. And actually, like, this big, long driveway came over a creek, all that stuff, and into, like, we, our house was in the middle of the woods, and then we had all our pastures and stuff in the middle of the woods. So, if that makes sense, like, we were inside the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this big, long driveway, 
I get home. It's Fourth of July weekend. Oh, I did leave out one more. Sorry, doing the fast. So our house is shaped like a U. So the kitchen and the living room were parallel to each other. They were the tips of the U, and they were both all glass rooms. And then the U, the bottom of the U, was all the house, all the bedrooms, all the bathrooms, all that stuff. So I come into the kitchen. We have three dogs. We have Sonny, which is my brother's service animal. He has muscular dystrophy, so this animal is trained to not push on you. It's trained to balance him, all this stuff. Uh, and then we had Bailey, which was a like a beagle shepherd mix, like a 40-pound dog. And then we had Clarice, which she is still alive today. Oh. Uh, she's like 19. Awful animal. She's just so hateful. But that's why she's alive. Uh, <laughs> to die. She, she does. Oh, my gosh. She looks like a corpse. Oh. Uh, uh, a Yorkie poo. Oh, uh, she's your little ankle oh. biter. She came yeah. in here before. I f- she came in here one time during a live a live show. So we were recording this right now, but we had one interview we did live. She came in behind us, pooped on the floor, and then left. Ugh. Like broke into the room. You could hear scratching at doors. Anyways, so I I come home. I, it's Fourth of July. She's it's like literally, it. it's literally like Fourth of July day. My whole family is at a lake about 30 minutes away. Indian, like you guys have probably heard about it being Ohio. Oh, people. I've been there. Yeah. Went there as a kid when I was 12. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, we were 30 minutes from there. Uh, so, my family was, we had a camper up there. So, they're up there for the weekend. It's like 11 o'clock at night, 11 30. I was a closer at McDonald's. So, I've already missed the fireworks. I'm tired. So, I called my mom. I'm like, hey, I'm just going to come up in the morning. I'm going to go home and just sleep and I'll come up. Good so, idea. Well, no, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so I come home and I I open the door to let the dogs out to the bathroom because they haven't been let out, and the dogs don't come in the kitchen. They're standing in like the hallway into the kitchen. Don't think really anything is weird of it. And then I close the door. I, I go and as I'm walking to the house, the dogs are like following me really tight. I get to the living room. I lay down on the couch. Well, Sunny or Clarice and Bailey jump up on me, but they're little lap dogs, so that's normal. The really weird thing was Sonny tried to get on me. And keep in mind, this is a service animal. He's trained not to, like, he doesn't push. He doesn't do that. Like, like, and I tell that part of the story, people have the hardest time understanding that, that this is a, an animal, you know, trained to help a kid with muscular dystrophy. Like, he doesn't do that stuff. Atypical so, behavior. Right. So it's extremely weird. So I push him off, and he lays down beside me. Way off on the other side of our woods, I hear boom, boom, boom. It's Fourth of July weekend. You know, there's a couple other families that live on like around our woods, so we're just like, okay. I, in my head, I'm just like, if somebody's got grandkids over, they're firing fireworks or whatever. You know, it's just it's whatever. Another ten or fifteen minutes pass. Boom, boom, boom. A little closer. Another ten or fifteen minutes pass. Boom, boom, boom. A little closer. Another ten or fifteen minutes pass. Boom, boom, boom. A little closer. Finally, I called my buddy Nick. He didn't live on our woods, but he lives down the road, and he'd be in our woods a lot. So I call him. I'm like, hey, are you guys in the woods? And he's like, no, we're actually in Pennsylvania tonight uh, for Fourth of July. That's where their family's from. So I'm like, okay, well, somebody, somebody's grandkids are out there lighting off fireworks, you know, playing around in the woods. I'll just go check out in the morning or whatever. Another 10 or 15 minutes pass, and boom, boom, boom. And then it goes quiet for a bit. And then we had this giant, like, dead tree in the corner of the yard. And you hear boom, boom, boom on that. And it sounds like somebody just slamming it with a sledgehammer. Yeah. So I'm frozen. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I'm in an all-glass room. 
The next room has a gun cabinet. I'm too scared to get up because I don't want every whoever's out there. Because I'm pretty sure it's a person at this point, and you know, when in my head, whoever's out there can see me if I stand up, right? Because I'm a whole room's glass, right? So a couple more minutes pass, and then on our big metal barn, you hear, boom, 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 freaks the horses so bad they bust out of the bar. They're running around the pasture, whinnying and going nuts. We had five mm-hmm. horses at the time. I'm frozen. What's freaking me out worse is that the dogs aren't making a noise. Like the Sonny, the Bailey and Clarice are dead silent, whimpering, like on top of me. And that's what's freaking me out. Cause Sonny had, was like, he defended my mom against an attacker. Like, this is not a dog. Like, this. Right. And These are what, not passive animals. He's scaring me more than anything else about the story because of his actions. And, I, and then about another 10 minutes pass. And then there's a Porsche car about 30 feet from where I'm sitting. And you just hear boom, boom, boom. At this point, I'm in tears because it's whatever is out there. Whoever's out there is only 30 feet from me. At that moment, though, my aunt and uncle came blaring down the driveway uh, to get something out of the house in their convertible playing music. I come busting out the house. And I'm in tears. It's like past midnight. They grab me and the dogs. They come to the house I live in now, which was my grandmother's house my, and my great-grandpa's house. Uh, they come they get here. And the next morning, Nick's dad was... Uh, well, first he was tired, retired military police, retired SWAT, and retired police. So he's got all these backgrounds. So he comes out and investigates the property. And he's like, well, it was a guy with a sledgehammer, and he hit everything four times. I found all of his marks. Every Everything Justin said he hit, I found it. And I'm like, no, he hit it three times. And he's like, no, he hit him four times. And... Dad's like, well, why do you think he hit it four times? And he's like, well, if you see, there's four indentation marks. And the reason I think it's a sledgehammer, because he went to, we don't go to the barn, it was like eight or nine foot off the ground. So the only way you could reach it was with a sledgehammer, not, not a short-necked hammer. And later on, you know, obviously, we have four knuckles, is what I found oh. out later, that it was, it was the same punch in the same spot three times, leaving four marks. Oh, the Porsche had the same thing. So after that, the, the same small stuff happened all the rest of that year. And then about October hit, everything stopped. The second it got cold, everything stopped. So at this point, we're 100% sure it's a man. Like, we're sure it's a man messing with us, all this stuff. Because it stopped when it got cold and the corn got taken off. So all of his escape routes, you know, in our head... You could see him. Like, you could see him walking on the property. You could see him walking off the property. With a bunch of hillbillies out here that have guns, it's probably not the smartest when they can see you. <laughs> not the smartest decision to make, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so that next spring, uh, it starts up again. But this time it's worse. It's tenfold worse. The structures are humongous. They involve car hoods. They involve saw horses. They involve all this stuff being put on our property in our fences, like, in these corners. Like, it's all congregating in corners. <laughs> I just want to interrupt you yeah. briefly. Did you ever get pictures of that stuff? If I can find the old phones, because yeah, that was 2011. I think only my dad may have had a cell phone. Oh, yeah. dude, that would be awesome if you. I, if have, you I know I have a picture of the Porsche, like yeah. with the three or the 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 indentations from the hand. Yeah, and I gotta find that because that was like four moves ago. Mm. That's been several properties now i'll, I'll see if I, if I find it i'll send it to you guys that would be awesome i'd love to see that uh, if i can find it i'll send it to you guys uh 
what was I? Hey, the moonshine's taking hold. Sorry about, sorry about no, the interruption. No, it's the thank moonshine. You. It's not you. You were on to the next year. Oh, thank you. So the next year, everything pops off and it's massive. Like the structures are just massive. But keep in mind, these are in our pastures. Like these are in our properties. One thing no, I did leave out. I'm, real quick, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, keep what going. are you thinking? Are you thinking Man, what it might be? 100% a guy. Because we're thinking 100% this is a guy. Another part I okay. left out. You're still thinking it's human. Yeah, because my sister, my adopted sister, had said she's seen a tall guy walk, running through the corn one night. Oh, God. And so that's what we were just like. It's a college kid. I did leave that out, too. We're a college town. Uh, so we have like an Ivy League school, and the, they mess with the townies all the time. They cause all kind of damage. So it's kind of like a thing that we grew up with as being a problem, uh, especially where I live, because that's where they would do the parties out in the corn and stuff like that. They destroy a whole bunch of corn to have parties. Anyways, uh, a thing I did leave out is me and my mom trained horses, and my dad installed stadium lights up in the up uh, like on big telephone poles, basically, so that we could work the horses at night. Horses don't sweat very well, so it's easier for everybody at home, so they know. It's easier to work a horse longer at night so they don't overheat. You know, the sun's not beating on them or whatever. So we had these big stadium lights, and then we had these four-wheeler trails cut into the – four-wheeler horseback trails cut into the forest. So there'd be these little sections where there'd just be holes, you know. Mm -hmm. So this – the edge of the woods always created that weird – I never I never look up the word for it. That weird thing where when you're looking through light, it's darker on the other side because you're looking through light. Yes, yes. That phenomena. Uh, yeah. So anyways, the structures are massive. And my really expensive chickens start going missing. Oh, God. And the, keep my, the fence for these guys are electrified. And the only way you can get into it is by unlatching a latch, opening the door, closing the door. That's the only way. And whoever was getting in there was taking a bird and opening and closing the door and latching it like nothing had been wrong. So that more points to a guy. And keep in mind, I said some of these birds are, you know, north of yeah, 900 bucks a bird. So every bird's missing is, you know, $1,000 just disappearing. Uh, so it's, you know, we went over to Amish country, and we got a red healer. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced a red healer. Yeah. They're absolute monsters, but they are workhorses. They are farm animals. I tell everybody I meet, don't, put one, don't try to put one inside. They're great animals for their jobs, but they need that job. So Lucy's job was everything that's a farm animal stays in the farm. Everything that's not a farm animal dies. Uh, this dog had come up one time. So we got this. We paid to have this dog. You know, it was already trained. It knew what a chicken was, and it knew what, you know, it knew the normal predators and everything like that. Uh, so Lucy would literally, she knocked a horse over one time because it wouldn't go in the barn at night. Wow. And like you guys know what they are. They're like 50-pound dogs. But they, yeah. know, they, know what, they know horses put all their weight on one foot so they can kick with the other three. And Lucy would watch and see what foot had all the weight because that's the one that can't kick you. And that'd be the one she'd run up and bite. Uh, anyways, so she was a crazy dog. It was a crazy smart dog. One day she came up to the house covered in blood. And we thought she'd been all cut up. Me and mom took her to the vet, couldn't find a scratch on her. We went out later and found two dead coyotes. So this is a, a scary dog. This is not like a dog you go up and pet. You know, it's a, it had a purpose. She's a protector. Yeah. But she got in the habit of, so she'd pace the whole tree line all night, every night for like a month. And if animals ran in back into the woods, they're fine. She wouldn't chase them. She wouldn't follow them. That's where they're supposed to be. The problem was, is if they hit the first tree, 
on the edge of the woods and then ran up, then in her head, they hadn't left yet. So she would sit there and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark. <laughs> uh, so me and my brother Luke had got the, uh, it was common at this point to go down there and knock, have to knock a raccoon or a possum out of the tree for her. Uh, Cause she had to either run it off or kill it for her to be finished. Uh, so she'd sit there and bark all night. So this one night she starts, it's like 10 o'clock at night. She starts barking. And so me and Luke go out to the garage. I'm 17 at this point, 16, 17 Luke's. So Luke would be 14, 15. So we get a golf club, baseball bat, whatever. We start walking down and Lucy's standing in front of one of those holes where the four wheeler trails are. So there's no trees. So we're like, that's kind of odd. And we, I say, Luke stop. And we both see at the same time. These gigantic chartreuse eyes and this just massive figure is just one step into that trail looking down at Lucy. And we see it blink once. We see it blink twice. And on the third blink, it's staring right at me and Luke. How far away are you at the point, do you think? 20-ish feet, 30-ish feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could you smell it? No, it didn't. I, no smell or nothing like that. Oh and I God. didn't see details, just the outline and these giant <laughs> eyes. Yeah. So I tell Luke, to don't don't run. And that made it. we made that about 10 feet before you know we were, we were running, crying. We came in the house. My dad's fed up. And I'll tell you why. He was like he was pushed the brink at, in a second. Uh, so he comes down because he's fed up with this guy coming on our property torturing us. Lucy's still standing in the same spot. So me and Luke come outside and stand by the house. We're about 100 feet from Dad. Dad goes right up to where it was, like right up to the spot. He's got the shotgun. And he's like, all right, UMF, or, you know, you've scared my kids. You've tortured us for two years now. We're done with this. I'm going to start shooting the woods unless you come out. Lucy's still standing in her same spot barking. Dad's like right next to her. Doesn't see anything. He's, and he counts to three. Nobody comes out. So he aims in the top of the canopy of the trees, just like straight up into the trees. He shoots. 10 foot back in the woods, right in front of him. It sounds like a buffalo is ripping through. It is just going ape. It's just tearing through the woods, running, hitting, knocking trees as it's running through. Dad kind of falls, and then he runs back to the house, and all he would say that night is, it's not a man, it's not a man, it's not a man. Oh, God. So, and we never talked about it for like three years. It really took us three years. We just all, no, we all shut up. Like, it was not that any of us were, not that Dad was like, don't talk about it. It just... It was all right. It was all of us together subconsciously. We're like, we don't want to talk about it. Now, another, we moved out of the house that year. And why my dad was so stressed is my mom had non Hodgkin's lymphoma, just got diagnosed that, that, you know, she's fine. She's in remission. Good. So, but, you know, that's a 50 50 shot cancer. You know, those are cancers that kill 50% of, you know, didn't matter what stage. She rolled the dice right, didn't she? Yeah. God. And just all, that's all we can put it on. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that may have been a big part of it too. Is the same stuff with the Mothman stuff? Is it why did everybody stop talking about it? Is because they stopped seeing Mothman, or is it because the Silver Bridge collapse was so traumatic that you know there's other stuff to worry about right now? And that may have been partially with us. You know, there was other stuff bigger than Bigfoot to worry about. Uh, but we start watching shows like Finding Bigfoot, and it's funny now enough that we know all those guys. Now. Yeah, ain't it? Uh, it's, it's, you know, we know the, you have the ability to meet them at conferences and yeah. Renee tackled me at Ohio Bigfoot this past season. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's just, it's weird how life goes full circle like that. Yeah. But watching shows like finding Bigfoot and the goofy shows like mountain monsters and stuff like that, 
that it opened us up to be like, oh, we're not the only ones. Because the first episode of Mount or second episode of Mountain Monsters was in Ohio. And it's like, oh, other people, you know, we were in the same camp that, you know, you what'd you say? I run into some of them in Marietta and they live in Parkersburg. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jay got picked. Oh, I got picked up by Wild Bill at Hocking Hills oh, Bigfoot yeah. last year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm almost 300 pounds, everybody at home. So hey, I was impressed. <laughs> Anyways, so it's weird. And then we did some post stuff. Like we were coon hunters. We night we coon hunted at night all the time. Yeah. We never coon hunted our own property at night. We always went somewhere else. We had plenty of coons. And as we started looking back at stuff, we we're like, we edited our behavior for no reason as far as it was almost like a subconscious thing like being around a predator yeah uh, which i don't think that thing would have hurt us that night i do think it was about two seconds from killing that dog uh because I, like i said that's the fast version of that story a lot of horse grain was missing so i don't know if you guys have been around horse grain it's pretty much just molasses and some grain you know some grain yeah. so it's real sweet i have horses, I have horses. there you go so you know exactly so it was eating a lot of horse grain. It was eating chickens, but this dog had prevented it from coming on the property. So I really think that dog was about two seconds from not being a dog. Uh, yeah. And I don't think personally, I don't think it would have hurt us. Uh, I just don't, I think it, if it would have, it if it wanted to, it would have kind of deal. You know, our I don't think it had to, it just scared you and it knew it would scare you. Oh right. yeah. And I think, Dad shooting, quote unquote, at it. You know, he aimed in the trees. I think that put some fear back into it. I was going to ask you real quick. Yes. Uh, God, this is an amazing encounter. Yeah. And I, I, I think it goes without saying, this is your origin story. Yeah. With <laughs> beyond the shadow of the doubt, and it's led up to that. But you did, you did a great job of describing the chartreuse, and I love how you say chartreuse eyes and it blinking. But I was wondering if you could give any more, a little bit more definition or description of like the color maybe or the outline, the hands, yeah. so like I didn't any see other hands. detail from yeah. it. Or so, was the light such that that's essentially what all you got to see was the outline yes. and the eyes and the presence. So if you go off the BFRO, like kind of, I hate calling it a, an A, like a class A sighting because I didn't get those details. Now the eyes... Keep in mind, I was 16 or 17, you know, and I was maybe 100 pounds. I was a really small kid. So this thing, I try not to, when I retell it, because you know how memories like to grow as we do, uh, I really feel it was about seven and a half foot tall. Going to ask you that. Yeah, how may, tall? Maybe eight. I think it was seven and a half, though, because I was so small, but it was massive to me. But Wide the outline, as shoulders. The shoulders were massive. Like it almost didn't look like you could see like the little bump of the head, and then just shoulders, and then just the rest of it was like I wasn't. I didn't look down at it. You know, I was the eyes and the head and the shoulders were pretty much what I was looking at. But I do think it was light reflection, not creating its own light for the eye shine. Uh, but it was so bright. But that could be those memories. You know, just exaggerating in my own head but they were so bright and they were so big uh, i think it was the fact like that you can remember that in detail i think you're absolutely you, what you say you saw you saw i have no doubt about that yeah. and that's backed up by so many other people that you i'm sure you've interviewed oh, yeah. and heard the eyes are incredibly distinctive feature of these dare i call them creatures beings i mean we're creatures yeah. if you're gonna you know 
that's just how it is. Anything that's quote unquote alive. But it was, I would have to say, if I had to guess, like three, three and a half inches apart, I mean, just massive. And then like an yeah. inch and a half wide eyes. I mean, just really like, it was really big. But I mean, that space, so that space would have put them, you know, like that over, over a human head. So for everybody at home. Massive head. Huh? I was going to say that the, the, the creature definitely had a massive head. Now, you may be ready to ask this, but given the fact that I have a, that I love to talk and I have to interrupt you, I'm so sorry. I just no, I have to ask this question and you may be doing it, but I just want to make sure you, you can get to it. Is did this begin you doing massive research yourself saying, I want to know what I saw and this drew you into it? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I didn't realize we were going to get interviewed on our own show tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just picking on you. Um, no, that's an interesting question. No, I so we haven't got to talk about this yet. I was a biologist for a good period of time. Uh, I was going to school like a couple years after that to be a biologist. Biologists don't believe in Bigfoot is what I grew up understanding. And it's weird. I ignored Bigfoot forever. Actually, lake monsters were my passion. I never had a lake monster encounter in my life. But I was a fisheries biologist specifically, so I loved fish, amphibians, that kind of stuff. So... I was drawn to lake monsters, and it literally took, like, so that was 16, 17. I probably didn't look into Bigfoot till I was 21, 22, 23, somewhere in there. How come? And it's, I really think it's because my, I, I pulled, like, what we talked about with Linda and stuff like that, like what her ex-husband did, is that my brain wanted to be as far away from it as possible. My brain didn't want to have to deal with that, that trauma. Uh, even though I was interested in the cryptid field, at you know, even from a young age, my brain didn't want to deal with that because we didn't talk. Like I said, we didn't even talk about that one time until at least three years after that. At least time I was nineteen so or twenty. Like, really and then by the time we start talking about it, oh, first of all, my brother never talks about it. He talked about it twice, ever, 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 and then to this day, to this day. Then I started wow. doing this stuff, and every once in a while, I can get him in front of people to say, "Yeah, it happened," and that's the most. It, that's the, the most he'll talk most about. He'll go, "Oh, wow!" And it, but he, and like I said, he's dealt with like muscular dis. Like he is a type. He's in a chair, but he's a big active hunter. He's an outdoorsman. He's killed yeah. elk in Colorado, and he's caught big gar out of Florida. Uh, but but he he will not address this. Correct. But, wow. And then, it, like I said. It may have been stuff with like, you know, my mom got cancer that year and the year after that, my grandma that was in a wheelchair passed away. So there was a lot of trauma around that year. So it may have just been too much. And like he ended up in a chair. Yeah. Just yeah. overloaded. I can understand that beyond the event itself. It's called life. Right. I, I didn't come out with my stuff until I was in my 60s. So, you know, it's understandable. So you're saying I still got time to win him over. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know life happens when you're waiting for something to happen. You know. <laughs> did you did you have anything beyond that though those years? Any other things with the family yourself personally? Yes, but we won't talk about it on here. Okay. Uh, we can well, talk about it. Off I definitely want to. Uh, God, I want to follow this up and hear the whole thing. But again, this is the things that to draw people into it. These origin mm -hmm. stories. Oh yeah. And the other question, if you guys had time, oh, we got plenty it, of time. We have plenty of time to talk. I'm interested in hearing 
your favorite cases or the things, again, this is what I love, Ooh. are your, what are the stories you've heard either personally or that maybe we've all heard through documentaries, or what are some of the things that just stick out in your mind as, God, what a great example of a, of a fully vetted, fully believable, fully rational human being who had an experience that just can't be brushed away. Can I go Both first? Are you stealing Greg's? No, so okay. perfect. All right, we got we got two. We got two different ones. I'm glad we. I didn't even think about that, but that was cool. Uh, okay, so I'll tell you the first probably encounter that we ever got as a duo that we weren't doing a podcast yet. We started a thing a long time ago called the Hardin County Bigfoot Society that uh, it kind of fell apart, not due to anybody's fault, just due to time schedules and stuff like that. So it ended up being me and Jay just going to these meetings. And so at one point, it's just me and Jay sitting there for two hours talking anyways about Bigfoot and all this stuff. So we're like, well, might as well start a podcast because it's just us sitting here talking about it anyways. Put a microphone and just put it out there. We're not going right. to do anything extra. And did you think that we'd be nationally ranked when we first did that? Not a chance. Yeah. It's crazy how far you go. Uh, so we were at Jay, like I said, uh, Jay, or I guess I didn't say that was an other interview today. Jay's family owns the bowling alley and the bar in town. So Jay's a bartender. I'm a frequent customer. <laughs> and as we started getting this stuff going, uh, we were drinking and like I came up to Jay and all this stuff. And, you know, that's kind of how it got started is I'm like, do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yes. Yeah. There's I, all kinds of ways to break that ice. And I, I think that's one of the coolest ways to do it. Right. Hey, I, man. I'm hammered. Hey, what do you think? I yeah. have a question for Jay. Yeah. Have you had any experiences like this with any kind of phenomena? Uh, not like Bigfoot. Um, I've seen something where I maybe Ooh. could be a cryptid, but I, I'm still just not so sure because it just happened so fast. Um, it's a thing we boiled it down to could be called the white thing, if you've ever heard of that. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen that run across the road um, not too far from my house, but it, it just happened so fast. It's still hard to wrap my mind around what the I actually saw. There uh, are white Bigfoots, too. This was yeah, like this a was blob. Like a, yeah, this was like a four-legged furry blob that ran across the road, but like tall, like lanky, but really furry, big swoopy tail. But it just happened so fast. And then when I got up to the area where I had seen it cross the road, when I pulled my car up there, I looked both ways, and there was nothing there at all. So I just don't, I don't know what I saw for sure. It, but that's about the only thing crypt, cryptidy wise. Um, I had like a UFO. I've seen a UFO. Um, I think or a string of it was. I just seen something weird in the sky once. Um, when I was uh taking trash out from work. I just like to hang out. Sometimes I'll take trash out, you know, hang out back and enjoy the stars and kind of take a breather, wind down yeah. from work. So I was doing that, and I was out there with a guy, and we I seen a string of lights going across the sky, but not like a, not, not like the, the Starlink. Star yeah, yeah, not like the Starlink thing. This was a lot more massive, took up a lot more space, and <laughs> lights would disappear, and others would re it would appear, and it was it was just really odd. Um, <laughs> but that's about it for my own personal experiences, but. I've been around a lot of people who have had a lot of weird, weird things, and people who would just come up and tell you, especially after we started doing this, people would just tell you weird things. And we got known as, I, or my old job is like, I got known as the Bigfoot guy, and then people come and tell ghost stories. But to your question, uh, Chris, that uh, a guy, I won't say his name, 
but he is uh anyway so me and jay were out there drinking and this guy is a gigantic massive farmer in our area owns the most land in our county uh he's a very old guy nonsense old man uh he comes up to us and he's kind of like you guys believe in all that bigfoot crap crap yeah <laughs> and we're like yeah and came on, I've known this guy probably my whole life, and he's just always kind of been like that, you know, no nonsense. Right. And he's like, that's not real. We're like, I'm like, okay. Like, I really, I'm I'm pretty drunk. I'm like, I don't care. The guy, I know what I've seen, but that's fine. He's like, but I did see something really weird once. And he was combining corn at night, so he's harvesting corn at night. For everybody that's not familiar with Northwest Ohio, where we're at, is that these combines have all these lights on them. It basically is like a rolling stadium when they're combining at night. Uh, corn in our part of Ohio on a really bad year is like a six-foot-tall when it's harvested. Right. On a really good year, we've had 10-foot corn. Oh, yeah. So 10, 11-foot corn isn't unheard of in our area. But on a really bad year, it can be as short as six-foot. So let's say this year was seven-foot, just to be fair. So he was combined late at night, and he's like, I was combined, and I seen a guy stand up and run away. And... He's like, that's not the weird part. He's like, because this is the same guy that's actually had weed farms planted in the middle of his cornfield. He's had uh, like parties out there where they'll flatten all the corn and bring like rave stuff out there. So he's found people in his corn. So that's not what's odd. He's like, the odd thing was when this, he said, his words, not mine. This big black guy stood up. I could see his shoulders and his head the whole time he was running. And wow, he had been. How many NBA basketball players are <laughs> out in the middle of your court? I said, so I Probably asked him, 18. 18. Well, yeah. So I asked him, <laughs> well, do you think like Shaq was out there running around or what? I was going to say Shaq. <laughs> yeah, exactly. hey, you saw Shaq in the cornfield. And he's like, uh, I don't know. I don't like, think so. Do you think it could have been a Bigfoot at all? He's, no, 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 no. Bigfoot's not real. And then he left. So he is super believable to me because, first off, the only reason, the only reason. I think he ever told us is because he knew who we were, he knew yeah. what we do, and he wanted to get it off his chest one time. Exactly. Just one time, wanted to say it and wanted to be done with it. And then acknowledge it. Then yeah. it was dead. Like it was done. You know, it was gone. It was the moment's over. Now Jay's got a pretty good one too. Yeah. This there's this guy that used to we I've known him almost. I mean, for majority of my life, ever since I was probably like 15 or something. So over half my life. Um, this guy would come into the bowling alley and uh, frequent bowler, customer, whatever. You can use his first name. His name oh, yeah, his name's Greg. Uh, we interviewed him on our show. But after we started doing you know, this, this stuff, then he started, uh, he started talking to me a bit more personally out there. And then that's when he shared that he had an experience around this area. Uh, once when he was a kid and then once as an adult. And... Uh, you know, and I've known this guy my for a long time, and I'd never even he'd never mentioned this once, never even brought it up ever out there. And uh, so, yeah, he told us this story, this experience that he had, where they were coming back home from the hospital, him and his wife, and um, they had just seen cows out on the road earlier that day when they were leaving. So they were slowing down to that area on that road, but this time it it's was like two a.m. Yeah, this now it's in the middle of the night, and they're heading back home. So they knew the cows were out earlier. So his wife said, you know, slow down just in case those cows are still free running out so you don't hit them. So he's just slowing down, creeping across the road. And then that's when she's seen two eyes out in the field and she said, cow, cow. So he stopped. And when he slowed down, that the two eyes stood up in the field and just stood up and 
kind of like in well, it's the clips in the beginning of our uh, show when we first started. He just said it keeps going and going. Oh, that's this thing yeah. stood up real tall, and then he said it took like three steps out. Of, it was already out of the field and like across the road, and just three like short steps. Mm-hmm. And it, they seen the whole thing. He he said it was it was a bigfoot. Tell me how close he was. And so saw it cross the road. Well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh and, uh, damn. Not only that, uh, it kind of stopped on the edge of the road, and the whole time they had never really stopped their vehicle. They were just going a couple miles an hour. Yeah, just creeping across the road. So this thing had stopped, and they just kept creeping by it. And he said uh, it was right beside his truck window, and he looked, and he's sitting in his truck, and when he looked out the window, it was about right at its stomach, and he could see the abs and stuff oh on this thing through all the hair. He said he could see the fingers. I got really good, like the big, thick fingers. He could see the really thick fingernails on the hands. And then he even, he had to kind of lean out of his truck to look up at the thing just to see its face. <laughs> and he could see it. He said its teeth look like chiclets. Um, but he could see the hair. Um, he could see where it had hair all over it, all over its body and on its face. But he could see the spots on his face where it was hairless. But there was still long, shaggy hair kind of hanging over the face as well, too. <laughs> But he said In other that, words, Jay, the costume was highly detailed. Highly detailed, yeah, yeah. And it was like, I don't I've know. Heard what, that one. How many times have you heard that oh, one yeah. before? That was a really good costume. Right. Yeah. And for, for it being up to his abs, you know, just sitting in a truck, how tall, truck yeah. how tall this thing probably was. You know, it's hard to speculate, but, you know, it's not short. It's not just normal man's height. I mean, Greg was describing it as being massive, and Greg himself is a massive man. Yeah, he's probably like 6'3 or 6'4". I six maybe four, six, six five, five he's maybe six four six five. Yeah, he's not. He's no small man. Um, but he's, he's just t- Greg's just actually. Tall. Linda, when you were at our table at Ohio Bigfoot, he may him and his wife may have been at the table. Oh yeah, there's a good chance they were sitting behind the table with us. Yeah, they were hanging out they're, with they're, us there for a while. So, tell them why that encounter for us was really cool after Greg shared it. So that me was a quick question though. Yeah. yeah, did he speculate as to what I mean? Obviously, the word Bigfoot or, or Sasquatch, but I was wondering if he or and the question I eventually want to ask both of you all is one of my favorite descriptions of it is it's either more monkey than human, more human than monkey. It's a relic hominid. I mean, what is it? Oh, right. Bigfoot's a manatee. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain that later. I will explain it later. Okay. That is accurate. <laughs> it's a platypus. Manatee, manatee. It's a manatee. Manatee, yeah. It's a sea cow. Yeah, and he, and he loves to eat lettuce. Right. You may be shocked. Once again, remember, I'm a biologist. Greg, I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted the flow. Oh, no, no it's, it's fine. Um, this is better than we normally do. Basically, what Greg was saying, also when he pulled past it, uh, they kind of tapped the brakes, so the brake lights, he said, lit up the whole thing. Um, he could oh, see the whole God. body, head to toe, lit up How in the brake lights. How long ago was this, Jay? Uh, it was special actually, year. It's a special year. It happened in 2012. Around the same time, same year Justin had his encounter. Two and roads really, over. Yeah, it's in relatively within the, a few, a couple miles from each other. Maybe not even. Oh my god! It's the, Has he had anything similar to that since? No, I don't believe so. No. And wow. it, yeah, and his kid encounter was pretty cool too. Yeah, Do you not, remember it? Um, vaguely. You tell it or? Um, he remembers him and his friend were playing with like a football in their side yard, and they had a cornfield right beside basketball. him. Basketball. Basket was it basketball? Yeah, I thought it was football. I thought that was the football that got smashed. I thought it was a basketball. Well, maybe, but you don't really toss a basketball back. They were doing sports, right? It's, it's yeah, Ohio. Sports, they were playing with whatever ball. ball they had. They had a sports ball out in the yard. 
But uh, yeah, he they said were. they, they, they were kicked sporting. it. <laughs> yeah. I love college. I, I love college football. I'm that guy, guys. I love college football, okay. so okay. I played All it right. and I love it. So <laughs> we got it. We got it. They were sporting. Yeah. So and he said uh, they one of them had kicked it, and the, well, the whole time they were playing, you could hear some something rustling back and forth in the court, oh, just like running back and forth from one side to the other, right inside the other. But they couldn't see nothing, but and they didn't really think nothing of it. But they kicked the ball and it went into the cornfield, and neither of them wanted to go get it. So they went and got they went and got their dad, and uh, the dad came out to and he walked out there. He's where's it at? They pointed, in, so he went out there. And he's like, "Well, I found it," and he went out and found it, and the ball was completely smashed, just like a oh, pan- of course it was deflated like a pancake. Oh I thought he threw it back. No, they found okay. it out there. They found it out there because the dad Are went and found it. Are you familiar with um, Shane Grove's website and the judge seeing the werewolf? Oh, in the corn. Alario, Ohio. Bucyrus. Oh, Bucyrus. Yeah, that's yes, familiar. Yes. I think we what? just uh, we talked about that a few, a few he had months a boot ago. Too. He, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it's on American Werewolves. I think that's a small town monster. Uh, in in and I won't I won't say the judge's last name because yeah. he normally is referred to as the judge, but you, you can look him up. But his name's Shane, along with one of his, I believe, Shane Grove. They, they were together in their booth, but he told a story involving a werewolf and corn. I'm like, man, there's some corn stuff going on. Well, cryptids of the corn. corn. Yeah, cryptids yeah. of the corn, obviously. That's where the I mean, name, yeah. A lot of, I mean, it's a source of food. Maybe it's, oh God, I just, you think of all the reasons why it would be out there. Uh, it's a great place to hide and a great place to eat, apparently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The corn and hear, heard, and them go both sides of me at night. Uh, cattle. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh God. I can't, I can't imagine a Bigfoot on both sides of you. That Here's another really enough. quick question I want to interject to both of you. And, and bless both of your hearts for just taking the time to talk to us because... We're having a ball, I, just so you I know. I can't tell you how much fun <laughs> we live for this. We love this. But there's no way there's no way to ever come to a consensus on this question. But you brought it up. And you you talk of and and, and and Justin, you talked about like your brother's trauma and the and then the farmer. There are people who will gush about it, who can't talk enough about it. Obviously, you're talking to them in yourselves. And then there's people who are hyper, hyper um, hesitant to bring it up. But for the people who actually do talk about it, whether and I don't care if it's cryptids, UFOs, whatever, there's and again, there's no way to know this, but I just want to throw it out there to you. And this is another conservative thing that tells you just how much it's more mainstream than people are are, are, are believe it to be. And that is for every person that will come forward and tell you a story, how many people won't? Oh, a hundred. Uh, I mean, literally. Is it one to a hundred? Is it? Yeah, exactly. It, there's this crazy, uh, I can't remember. It's scary, amazing to me. There's that you, or. The, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> My grandmother was from down below Point Pleasant. And she grew up in a little town called Southside. And um, they weren't allowed to go outside at night when she was a kid because of the hairy man. Hmm. And she used to tell us that story, the hairy man and the Black Panthers. Wow. And see, there's, it's more common than anybody will ever want, the the average person will want to admit. And I can't remember, what's the big, like, not like a government affiliated, but... The survey company in the U.S. that surveys all kinds of questions. 
Oh. oh, I'm not sure. It was like, but, hey, the last time they did a UFO one. I think it was like 75 percent of the U.S. said they've seen a UFO. Right, uh, and it's it, like my grandpa had seen one way before. Uh, he's passed now, but my grandpa had seen one way before UFOs were anything. And he's seen one on his the when he got home from Vietnam, and mm-hmm. he just he's just like, yeah, I seen some weird light shoot off in the sky, all crazy, and that was it. Like he didn't, like. Tons of people have that kind of thing where they want to either bury it and like, oh, it had to be some, it had to be technology, it had to be like a star. It just was something weird. I nothing really. And then other people are like, huh, that was neat, and never talk about it again because it's not. People are afraid. People yeah. are afraid. People are gonna say they're crazy. Right. Oh, really, yeah. you know, you get to the age where you know it happened. Mm-hmm. You saw it. You don't know for sure what it was, but you know you saw it. You're experiencing it, something out of the ordinary. Yeah, exactly. And you don't you get again, the not you that you can care. tell who it was, where it came from, <laughs> yeah. but there's no doubt about it. And you know, it, here's the other thing I was going to say, and Mom and I have talked about this. And obviously, you all are in Western uh, Ohio, and you're probably I'm going to take a guess, a shot in the dock here to see how close you are. But I would probably say, if I can look back on my Ohio uh, maps. Oh yeah. I'm going to say you guys are about two two and a half hours north of uh, Wright Patterson. Yeah, about about two hours. About two hours. Yeah. Yep. Go. So, yeah. I can only imagine. You know, I'll just ask you straight up. Have you have you had any interviews with people uh, from that area who shared stories with UFOs oh, or otherwise? Some public, some not. There's all kinds of weird stuff around Wright Pat. We got a buddy working on. The Ohio stick man that's all around right, Pat. Yeah, yeah. And uh he's not ready to release a lot of that stuff yet, but he's it's he's told us privately a bunch of it and it's it's crazy. And then, you know, have you ever heard the trucker story with right, Pat? No, no. Okay, so, think so we have a big trucker listening base. So thank you guys for listening. Give you guys all a shout out two and a half hours into an episode. <laughs> uh but no, hardcore. But no, we have a lot of truckers that listen, which is amazing. Which makes sense, though. I mean, they're hey guys. yeah, hey guys. Well, yeah, I mean, they're out there. Like they're driving first off, so you do put on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, we love those guys. So when you deliver it right, Pat, like it's really weird. And I, I'm not a truck driver, so I've only had them explain it to me. So if I get anything wrong, sorry. But when you deliver to like any kind of military base, like you stage up, and then they call you in for certain parts and stuff like that. Like they don't, you don't. Everybody just goes in at one time. Like you can't just drive a semi truck onto a military compound. And uh, so they were talking about that they were all staged up, and this one semi got got called in to like a hangar, but the floor of the hangar lifted up and had a second floor. The semi truck drove in, and then it lowered. And then the semi-truck driver later talked to the other guy and was saying, yeah, there's basically like a storage facility downstairs and they have like a semi-truck elevator to drop off the goods downstairs. Right. Uh, You've heard of, have you ever heard of the Blue Room? No. The Blue Room is, and again, here I am cutting you off. I'm so sorry, no. but I just wanted to tell you real quick that the Blue Room is one of those fabled areas of right Pat where, um, oh God, Barry Goldwater, um, basically was trying to get access back in the 60s and one of his good friends curtis lemay said don't you ever ask me about it again but there's that that's where they supposedly had uh, the final wreckage of at least roswell end up mm. at oh, yeah. right there and that's that was his final destination and they call it the blue room and the blue room purportedly has two things 
bodies and wreckage. Mm. Yeah. So those same truck drivers had seen an alive ET uh, oh, on that damn. elevator. Wow. Really? Uh, every once in a while, people would say that they could see in like a corner because the way it's angled is really weird from how it's been explained. So you can just kind of see it from the staging spot. Yeah, and that only certain truck drivers are allowed to take certain goods to the elevator. But every like all these truck drivers agree that the elevator is real. It just oh. not all of them are allowed to do it. And I think some, like a lot of it's like probably ex-military and stuff like that. People that they already had vented. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they've got certain clearance, right? Yeah, as truck and now they're working as truck drivers, so they get to do this. These, but one guy had said he'd seen literally an ET kind of in this second elevator act like just hanging out really far in the back like he probably wasn't supposed to be there but yeah. he couldn't wait for whatever was coming in on that truck so there's there's weird stuff with right pat uh, now that's the, that's the thing i love about ohio guys is weird there's no lack of phenomenology going on i mean obviously you both are party to it personally but it's just incredible to think that you don't have to travel hundreds of thousands of miles. It's not like it's on the other side of the uh, the world. It's in your backyard. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's we, your neighbors. It's your grandfathers. It's your best friend. It's you. It's me. It's just, it's out there. And God, it's like, how can people, and it's so, and I understand, it's so easy to criticize and, and bitch and moan and, and drive from the back seat. But I remember God God bless her heart, my ex-girlfriend. When I, you know, she, she, I told her, I said, if you're going to date me, you're going to have to know this ahead of time. And I told her, I told her my story and that didn't, that didn't give her pause. But I remember she used to go to my, uh, my presentations and I remember, and this is, and this was the perfect quote out of her mouth that I like to say to people is she said this very innocently because she's never taken the time to research any of it. She said, I had no idea how much information is actually out there that has been documented and vetted and studied all these incredible cases throughout history that have police people, that have military people, that have lawyers, doctors, that have these people that got so close that sometimes they could smell it, they could taste it, they could feel it, they, they, they either or sometimes pictured, I mean, you name the gamut of your experience. She said, I had no idea that, and, and I'm like, Patty, <laughs> you've only, I mean, I only talk about the tip of the iceberg. I'm just telling some of the most famous cases. There's going to be stories that could be every bit as good, if not better than Roswell, that I'll never hear because mm -hmm. people don't come forward, like we said earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we actually have a documentary series coming out called Lawn Chair Documentaries. That's all about that kind of stuff that's in our own backyard that everybody can go to. That yeah. it's easy like there's all this stuff that's easily accessible that you can go you can go see it happened. Uh we just filmed the first one, it's being edited right now, but that's cause that's the point. You know, you see stuff and I love small town monsters, but and I love like we are we're good friends with Tony Merkel and they do their documentaries. And but you know, like Joel is one of their uh the guys that do their show. And they go out in the middle of Daniel Boone National Forest. I got a bad knee. I can't do that. And, you know, my brother's in a wheelchair. And we have all kinds of listeners that are handy-abled or whatever the politically ter like correct term is now. So that's the whole point of the documentary series is you don't have to be able – you don't have to go in the middle of Daniel National Boone to experience the paranormalness of everything. It's literally – It's right yeah, there. It's right there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. 
Just sit on our it. back veranda and you can hear knocks and whoops. And we have Bigfoot. We had a Bigfoot encounter in April when my granddaughter was out here that just raise your hair. You want to tell them about that? I'll, I'll be brief about it. It's the night I like to call, um, you know, one of my favorite action stars of the 80s. Um, you all probably know Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. I called it the night of being under siege three. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. third, the third in the series. There, oh. were, there was two and there's the third. But uh, we had knocks all over our house. The Just house, like you. house like being hit. And I'll tell you this real quick. It was it, and this is when you were talking about the strikes. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking over at mom going, does this does yeah, this hit close to home? Our beloved little mountain feist, Phoebe. We take her out to do her business right outside the front door. This is what's cool about our property is the house is on a hill about, I'm going to say like this. So what is that? 20 degrees or yeah. whatever. Yeah, probably. Okay. So it's, it's essentially three stories. You've got the, the, the top, the bottom, and then the basement. So there's three stories. And when you go out the front door and you go to the right or the left, you go to the right immediately. And within six yards, you're going down uh, a walkway to the lower level and then, you've got woods that are literally 10 feet, 10 yards away. And so I take Phoebe out that night. This is after the house is being struck. We're going, what in the world's going on? Um, And it just continues to get worse all night long. And eventually I say, hey, I got to take her out because she's got to do her business. So I take her outside and um, mom's uh, I'm running this sweeper. Yeah. And Meredith comes out and she's got her jammies on. She's got her bottoms the jammies that have the top and the bottom. And just like mommy, she runs around barefoot half the time, Being like a little, <laughs> like a little urchin. She's our little urchin hillbilly. <laughs> with, with those and she's just, she's amazing. I'm urchin manatee. Exactly. <laughs> and so she's out there and right, right, right before the wooden porch hits the, the yeah, hits the stairs. That's a T-shirt. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, that will be a T-shirt. Uh, we're out there, and we're, we're, you know, she's down there doing her business, and I always take a flashlight out because I like to. Not me, uh, the dog. I take the flash. <laughs> I, I take the flashlight out because I like. I like. Um, I, I want her to be able to see where she's walking, and I want to be able to see her. I want to know, and the, you know, and I want to know when her business is done. Oh, so. You know, I, I shine it on her just to find out when she's ready to come back in. So we're out there, and I don't even know if Meredith, I can't even remember really if, if she and I were talking, but all of a sudden we hear something hit in the leaves. And it's and, and I immediately look to her, and I'm like, okay, and she looked at me, and we both heard it. Now I'm thinking to myself, one of three things it was. Okay. It was either somebody walking in the leaves it's either something that fell from the trees or it was something that was thrown. And maybe, and maybe there's something else that I could think of what it would have been, but it caught her, it caught her attention and mine. We both, and we were both just waiting, holding our breath, like what in the world with everything else going on is potentially what's affecting our home going to reveal itself. And of course I'm very protective of her. She, what she 60 pounds dripping wet, whatever. And, Justin, I'm like you. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot, 300 plus pounds. Um, and I'm like, you know, if something comes up, I want to at least put myself in between her and say, go get Gigi inside, go, go inside. But nothing, 
nothing, absolutely nothing. And not long after that, she says, look, I'm cold and I'm going to go, I'm going to go inside because the little urchin is outside without, without her slippers or socks on. So she goes inside, she might be inside two or three minutes. And all of a sudden out of the blue, it now, mind you, we live two miles off of route 95 in Parkersburg and it is pitch black out here. I mean, there are no there are no lights that are on. I mean, it's a great way to look up in the sky and see a beautiful sky. But if you don't have lights in your property, you can hold your hand in front of your face and you see nothing. Yeah. All of a sudden, out of the blue, there is this tremendous, and obviously, Justin, you can identify to this. There is a strike in the backyard, and it had a metallic sound to it. Now from doing wood knots myself personally and listening and hearing them all over every documentary in the world with Bigfoot, it had a tinge of metallic to it. So the echo signature between a wood knot and metal is very distinctive. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt there's, um, I'm not saying it was completely metallic, but it had that ring to it. And I remember thinking to myself, and, and, and as mom will tell you, we live in an amazing community of people as you come off the road. It's your typical country people. Everybody knows everybody. And your neighbor is not only your friend, and in some instances, they become like family. You love them that much. And people share keys to their homes. There's a connection that you get in the country that you don't get in the city. And unless you live in the country, you anecdotally will hear about it. But there's that. So people don't screw around with other people, number one. You just don't do it. It's an unwritten rule, especially when you love and like the people around you. Just don't do it. And everybody has guns. That's up. Yeah, it's just like up here. They're not afraid. They're not, <laughs> not they're not afraid to pull the trigger. So right. I hear the hit. And of course, my neck, I'm turning around listening to it come up from around the back of the home. I mean, and again, it's just this tremendous volume and pulse. And just when I, I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting there going, what in the hell? Boom. Again. Beat, beat, beat. Boom. Star. Three times already. And I'm sitting there just going, what the hell is going on? Then there's a fourth. And now I'm, I'm almost in, in and I'll never, and I remember coming in and telling mom, it's such an, a surreal experience to mm-hmm. think there's, it's completely pitch black down there. There's nobody around us that would do that. Our closest neighbor is asleep and he's a hundred yards behind us. And I remember saying it just as a joke. I go, Ed? <laughs> and then there's a fifth hit. And there might have been as many as six. It was either five or six. But I remember thinking to myself, you know, and I think I told you guys, I, I, I'm into movies, even just regular movies beyond science fiction. But as I've said on other podcasts when we were telling this story, I, I, love, I love music. I love movies. And obviously, one of the coolest things about any movie, 40% of any movie is the correct music and the background music. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, if I'm in a movie, if my life is a movie, if I'm going to make this a movie – what kind of music is playing in the background right now? You know, is it, you know, is it Jason's going to come up the stairs? I'm like, what the hell? And maybe I should have been terrified because I don't have a gun. I mean, I've got a Conan sword, 
in the, in, the, in my room. I've got the replica of the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan sword in my room. That'll do some damage. It's a pretty cool sword, and I'm a big guy, and I can swing that thing. I can either pierce somebody with it or slash it with it. And I'm thinking, that's the only thing I've got in the house that would say this. It's like, oh, my God, i got to go get my Conan sword. But I just remember <laughs> laughing, and after all of the crap that we dealt with that night, in the next day, I said, I've got to go down and I'm going to look and I'm going to find, Justin, exactly what you found. I'm going to find hits, you know, whether it's knuckles or it's going to be right. broken timber or whatever. I'm going to find evidence of the assault, the siege of the house. And i tell you, this is what's crazy. I found nothing, nothing. 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 Now, in the back of the back of our yard, we have those those. You know, you you guys have seen them. They're all over. They either you you know what the utility trailers that mm -hmm. have two wheels and yeah. they've got the cage. You know, yeah. I'm thinking to myself when it was happening, somebody's down there beating the hell out of the utility cage. Mm -hmm. And I go down, and there's absolutely no evidence because in my mind, based on the the volume and, and the, that's the thing that blew my mind was it. I mean. I can't imagine, and, and I've been around, I've been, a, I've, I've weight trained from the time I was 15 years old, and I've gone to the Arnold Classic like 20, uh, 15 out of the 20 or 30 years that it's been there. I've been around the biggest, strongest men in the world. There's no doubt about it. I've been around the mountain from Game of Thrones, guys like that are seven foot tall and can deadlift 900 pounds. And, you know, I've, I've been around guys whose arms are as big as most people's legs or, or waists. And I'm thinking to myself, the only way that that type of an impact could have been brought would be to have a world champion power lifter with something hitting. I mean, a regular human being could not do that, could not produce right. that much power, speed, and force to produce the sound that we heard. Yeah. And go down there the next day and find no hint of any type of evidence that would suggest that anything like that happened the night before just blows my mind. And I'm, you know, every single day, I almost, I think I paused almost just for a minute to go, okay, take a second and think about what else could it have been. And I've run out of, and that was three months ago. And I, I have, it just, it, I'll just say it out loud, it pisses me off <laughs> that I can't figure what that might've been. Uh, the the creature or the thing or the entity or whatever you want to call it to produce that type of volume and that type of impact and then to find nothing, no evidence whatsoever that it ever happened is just mind-blowing to me. And that's just one night out of our lives, you know, just recently. Uh, that's just mind-blowing. But God, the stories, again, that you all have collected and heard of is, is just mind-blowing. I just... Uh, it's just, it's funny at this part of my life to have something else that may border on paranormal uh, or or unusual is just mind blowing to me because I thought those days were long gone for us. But depending on where you live, like you said, Justin, just sit out on your porch or take your dog out to do a pee pee, <laughs> you may run into something. It's oh, yeah. right behind you. <laughs> yeah, paranormal's everywhere. But as far as the sound, I've become a big believer that they, my, my case exempt, I I think that they are doing that with their own bodies, that it's their own. Uh, so a couple examples. 
that's a big thing with what we do on the show is like, uh, well, siren birds are the loudest animal on the planet. They're even louder than blue whales. They beat blue whales by a couple decibels, and they're, they, they're like the size of a pigeon. So you don't have to be great, big, huge to make tons and tons of noise. I believe right. blue whales, 124 decibels, a jet's 120, and siren birds or white bell birds are 128. So they're incredibly loud. They're tiny little things. They can actually damage you by being around you. I can uh, imagine. So, but look at howler monkeys and some of these other animals. They make noises that sound like, well, there's that, but they make other noises that sound like metal. They make noises oh, really? like doors slamming. Like, and it's not because they're mimicking that. It's just the but way that they're. Parkersburg, West Virginia. That's my thing, right? Oh, I'm not saying it's a howler monkey. I'm saying that whatever Bigfoot is could have that ability oh, to I just sound saying. like, it yeah. sounds like yeah. metal. Cause we talk about, like that could be, are you trying to say Justin, that that could be a vocalization? Yes. Instead of that's why you don't find evidence of it. Cause we've had tons of people have experiences with Knox quote unquote and not Damn, have I any physical evidence. That. That's amazing. Now we're hitting the two and a half hour mark, which we're fine with. But I think for a final kind of topic question thing, I would love to hear what everybody thinks Bigfoot is now that we're into this. That's I'm a good question. I'm going to make you guys go first. You guys, if you guys want to go first, if oh, you don't mind. I just blame, I just try to throw it on you. I guess you go first, Jay, and I'll go mm-hmm. second. Um, I'm still, I mean. It changes every day for me. But yeah, yeah, it's still, I don't, at the end of the day, I don't know what it is. But I like to think it's either, could be like a relic hominid, you know, whether it's human or, or you know, human based or not. I don't know. Or some kind of a experiment that you know is just free living, you know, living in. We have very different opinions. Living in our woods, something interdimensional, you know, something of that nature. But uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's like a. Um, but I mean, it can, at the same time, it could just be a flesh and blood uh, creature that just is undocumented that we just don't have any. Probably both. Yeah, I mean, it could be all that above, but what I, if I had to just lean into one, I, I like thinking it's a relic hominid with that may or may not have been, you know, spliced together or created in a lab at some point along the timeline. Um, could be something like that. That's where I kind of lean towards. All right. That's, okay. Thank you, Jay. That's a really good summation. And there's tons of people that would echo that. So mm-hmm. I have the real answer, and I have it simply put that Bigfoot is a manatee. That's what I was going to tell you. It's no, you're going to tell us what this is now. I, oh, I can't wait to, to hear this. Oh, okay. No, so that's kind of a. So, uh, have you? Are you guys familiar with the term "covergent evolution"? Covergent evolution. Covergent. Manipulate. Are you saying it's manipulated? No, no. So it means that two animals, two species that are not related, end up looking very similar. Oh. So okay. for kind of one example is whales and sharks. They have differences, or do, sharks and dolphins. They have a lot of differences, but they look simi- like physically very similar right? Uh, and everything. So we have all these stories of Bigfoot going down on all fours and being double-jointed and crawling like a spider. They make these giant sounds. So mine had what's called lucid percutum, which is the eye shine. It's a thing in the back of our eyes, not our eyes, but the thing in the back of animals' eyes that captures light and reflects it out to gain more light to see at night. Primates don't have that. It's not even hominids going way, way back. Primates don't have it. Really, really primitive primates have it, like lemurs. And they are so distantly related to us, it's insane. 
so there's all these stories, all this evidence we've collected. We've done close to 300-ish episodes altogether now. Yeah, probably. Uh, and, you know, so that's like 500 hours of audio. Uh, anyways, we've collected all these weird stories. One common thread that popped out over me, over, to me over these couple years is that a couple of the people that have said they have had a dead Bigfoot, they've been around a dead Bigfoot, they said the last set of grinding teeth slide and lock in their sockets like they're on a train track. So they can slide around, and then they lock in their spot. So your molar, or not your molars, uh, what are these called? I forget. What, your wisdom teeth? No, your big I teeth in the back. Bits. Molars. Molars, I was right. So, so your your molars, they're yeah. saying that they are like on a track in their jaw, and they can slide and pop into their socket and pop out of their socket. And a lot of these people have been led to believe that they're created because of this. Now, what have I told you? I, when I first heard this, I'm like, I know that there's an animal that has that. that that's natural. I just can't think of it. Well, Serenians, manatees. All oh, manatees. Man I did not know that. Manatees, their back teeth are in this track to replace each other, but they slide around and lock into socket. When you have a manatee bottom jaw, you can actually move that tooth on this feels like a track. How cool is that? Now, I, what I mean when I say this, I don't mean that I really think Bigfoot is a manatee. What I think is that Bigfoot is a much ancient, much more ancient species of animal that's not related to primates, but due to co-virgin evolution, the body plan works out very similar. They ended up looking very similar to us. Uh, so they're not hominids. They're not primates. They're a much more ancient mammal because of the stuff they have. These sliding teeth, uh, the lucipercatum, these double jointedness to be able to go flat. We had Ron Moorhead on a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about seeing one like go flat and crawl in the shadows and stuff like Our that, like a spider. Saw one of those. Yeah. So, yeah. To Run me, on all fours. And that's mm. that doesn't scream primate. That screams something else. I do think they're flesh and blood partially, and I do think that they're so ancient they may have. I, I once again I'm a Christian, so I don't believe in the whole fear of evolution. I do believe creatures adapt and gain abilities over time. So that these creatures may have become more paranormal as they went along their biological train, that they gained more abilities as they went along. Uh, even like we talked about on our show, reflecting light. So people have literally seen black Bigfoots or red Bigfoots, or sorry, red Bigfoots out in the sunlight, step into a shadow and slowly go invisible. Wow. So what's happening, though, is actually a natural phenomena. It's called double coat or double fur coat. The, the like outer, like a what? Rabbit. Rabbits yeah. have. Yeah. Polar bears are another great example mm -hmm. where they're not the same color. So this outer coat is red. But what happens when they go into the dark, they have an inner coat that's black. They have muscles on their fur to lift their, their upper fur like up. That. Yeah. So they look like they're black in the shadows. They disappear. Even though your head is trying to, then oh, cool. your head's telling you. So when I say Bigfoot semantics, my kind of fun, cute way of saying that I think Bigfoot is a much more ancient species like of, of probably mammal. I do too. I have to agree with you. Ooh, I won. I didn't know yeah. it was a competition. It always is a competition. I ain't done yet. I didn't change. I, no, I, I ain't done no, yet. I've never heard that possibility, it's, and it, it, it makes sense. And this is the whole reason, Justin, why I, I agree with these conversations are so oh, yeah. fruitful is because no one person can be, I, I don't care how good I am at UFOs, I'm pretty damn good. There's always going to be someone with either more or less that's going to, that's going to come with one little point that I've never considered mm -hmm. that'll help 
Good you know, education. Yeah, well, to help give you another yeah. piece of the puzzle. This I, is, exactly. This I, is amazing. I only came to that conclusion, and I don't even call it a, I don't like calling it a conclusion because it's still growing. It's still, my but thoughts a, still. It's a really good possibility. After hundreds of hours of research and talking to eyewitnesses and looking at these old accounts, we have Adam Benedict's books, uh, Monsters in Print, which goes all the way back to the 1600s about every of these monster, these these reports in newspapers. And people literally talking about these teeth in some of these jaws in the 1600s, and they're still being reported today. So to me, and that, why that sung to me so much is, once again, I'm a biologist. I'm the oddball out for most of these the people researching this. So for all these people, let's say they're fake and like a lot of these Bigfoot encounters. But for you to make up that detail, yeah, to me is it's more it's a hundred percent more likely that you did make it up. It's what you actually saw, right? Because why the hell would you make up that weird detail? And that, but when I started hearing that, I'm like, I know, I know there's an animal that does that. And where have I seen it? Where would I know that from? And it's mantis, literally. You look up videos. They call them marching molars. Marching molars. There you go. Thank yep. you. You're welcome. Did you look it up? Yep. I, I promised Justin to to share that in a presentation, and I want to give you, I want to give you a really good credit. So, if it's out there on the internet, if you could give me a really good glossy eight by ten, and I'll put the show in there. I'm going to say, Justin, this this is Justin's credit. Bigfoot is a manatee, and people are going to lose their minds. <laughs> I that, I love saying that. I so people have interviewed me and stuff like that on other shows. That's often my opening line, and I won't talk about it till the end. That's a great way to keep people's interest. Like, what in the hell is that guy talking people about? That could be mad. No link is yeah. He, he I, we've seen him swim in rivers and creeks and blah blah blah. I swam with him. <laughs> there you that's go. A bit more than that. And now, that's, that's a really good parallel. I like yeah. that. But yeah, that's a, that's the funny joke. Is that Bigfoot's a fantasy? So how about you guys? Yeah, now you guys got to share. I want mom. I want mom to go first. I'll go last. About what? Oh, what is I... Bigfoot? Oh well. Don't they say they have the mitochondrial DNA of a Bigfoot, but they don't know who the father is? Yeah, uh, that's there's that. I was so part of my job is I I didn't do mitochondrial DNA. I did what's called eDNA. Okay. Uh, so I was an eDNA scientist. I don't I don't know about all the DNA studies with Bigfoot. There's been a lot of so here's a problem with that. When people collect those DNA samples, we're humans. So that if you are looking for something close to human, you being near the sample can affect it. So if the people I've seen people pick up their Taylor samples without gloves, I've seen people pick them up with gloves and then breathe on the on the sample. And it's like, okay, we'll just throw that away because it doesn't matter now. If you really believe Bigfoot's something closely related to us, you just destroyed everything with that. So, right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just, no, no, no. That's, I don't, you that's know, my it, thought. It brings up the, the the question, well, what is Mothman? Right, you right. Know, it's just like all cryptids. We don't know. I, I have a tendency to think that maybe they are interdimensional beings. But uh, I think... Uh, down deep, we're all closely related somehow. Oh yeah, oh sure. You know, we're all related. We're all stardust. I'm right there with you. And then I do think Bigfoot has th those interdimensional tinges too. I do think they are more paranormal than just flesh and blood. I but think they have to have some flesh and blood too oh, because they build structures. They get they shot and killed. Walk. They have 
you, they've been seen carrying babies. Didn't yep. the famous guy in the 87 movie said, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be the Predator. It's all Arnold tonight. It's all about Arnold. Right. Yeah. We got, we got Predator in there. I just hope there. they don't have green blood. I don't think they do. I think they've got red blood. What do you think they are? I don't know. I, I wanted to, Justin to keep going if he wanted to on that. That I didn't know if you concluded no, your point. Or... Yeah, it's just pretty much it. That I do think that they are a good example of an Earth-bound species that has gained the pair the uh, the interdimensional side of it. I think stuff like Mothman is from somewhere else that got here. Yeah, and I think Bigfoot is something from here. That, yeah, here. something from here that got gets to go somewhere else. That's it. I think. I think they all come from out there somehow. I think they're all related, interrelated. We'll, yeah. to we'll toss a coin for it. Okay. No. <laughs> no it's, it's, and I'm not right. I don't know. You know, it's all thought. It's all well, it's my fun to think about oh, the yeah. possibility. My opinion probably changes three times a week. I know. Because you talk well, to somebody. What makes it so fun is. Again, you know, I said it earlier today, and, you know, not, not that you all don't know this to be true, but, you know, part of the part of the fascination with life is knowing that you're always going to have more questions than answers, that right. you can never arrive at a point and say, I've got it all figured out. I know it. I, I, you know, I don't care if you're two years old or you live to be thousand. There's always going to be another mystery to unravel and another layer of of the onion, so to speak, and in whatever to uncover. Uh, myself personally, the thing that, that draws me that I want to understand is going back and looking at the history of the phenomena of Bigfoot. And one of my favorite things to do, and you alluded to it earlier, I think, Justin, was if you go back and look at the history of cultures, and they'll talk about, you know, I mean, and let's face it, ancient ancient cultures did at least two or three different things in their in their writing in their art they would draw what they experienced every single day then they would have imagination and fantasy where they would draw what doesn't exist but what they perceive to exist and then they would take something that they saw and though you know just like a story morphs over time and that little mouse that was running um that that a guy was scared of all of a sudden becomes a seven uh, seven hundred town bear chasing him you know over time things things change um but i love the fact that it's just not like bluff creek or the 50s all of a sudden people started seeing these big wild creatures with hair and big feet just appeared out of nowhere right there is a there is a historical record of these beings going back centuries maybe thousands of years. And like you said, they could have been here forever, primordial, primeval uh, creatures. And I look at uh, I look at all the different stories from all the different people. And I, I, I think you all have both said it is, depending on what day and what hour and who I just listened to, you know, and I, I'm not trying to say this not to, not to be definitive, but there are times where I'll say to myself, the two things I think, maybe I could say it better this way. The two things that are incredibly compelling for me as to what this being is, is the history of the being being very well documented, going back into history, deep into history. And then when you get close enough 
for those who realize you, you look in, a, in the eyes of a dog and you look into a cat, and you look into apes and gorillas. We're well aware that animals have emotion and thought and cognition, consciousness. And the stories of people who have been, depending on your point of view, fortunate or unfortunate enough to be close will tell you that the intelligence that comes between those eyes is more akin, more often than not, to our type of maybe maybe more human than what we would consider to be on the eight side. Uh, and that people have said, you know, these are the ones that are really mind blowing. Some of them mind speak, some of them actually actually communicate. We've heard the the samurai speech, you know, and mom actually, that's the story she didn't tell you. She actually had the samurai speech when she was out uh, hiking in the woods. But there's an intelligence there that I think goes beyond what we see in the um, in the primate mm-hmm. in the primate uh, uh, kingdom, that they are more akin to humanoids than they are primates. And again, you know, I remember growing up, another thing, I don't know if you guys have heard this a lot, but I used to hear it all the time was they're the missing link. Right. Yeah. They're, they're the link between primate primates and us. And, uh, and of course you being a biologist and uh, of, of biology, Justin, what's the difference between a, uh, uh, a gorilla and human in terms of DNA? Is it what, is it 98, 99%? It's nothing. It really is. It's like half a percent. I mean, if you it, look, if you look at some worms, like, we share like 92% of our DNA with some worms. Exactly. So <laughs> you're, and, and you're right. That, and, and you just throw that all out the, throw that all yeah. out the window too. So obviously yeah, living, breathing creatures, whether it's planaria all the way up to uh, hominids have more in common than not. But again, this is just something that I love to do is mm-hmm. try and figure out what in the world? And, and again, here, here's the question tomorrow. One of my favorite, and I know we're, 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 we're going long over, but I just wanted to leave you with this, this story that you've probably heard a million times. But one of my favorite Bigfoot stories of all time, and it's very anecdotal instead of definitively coming from one person, was the Mount St. Helens eruption. Yeah. That's yeah. 1980. Oh, yeah. And the, the supposed helicopters going over with mm-hmm. bodies. And then there's a guy that, they say they, they saw the arm and then there are people. There was a guy, I believe, that was in the it, words to the effect. I think he was a reservist, but it actually comes upon a camp that they set up. And damned it, if he just mind wasn't completely blown that there are bodies of the Bigfoot laid out. And then there are literally Bigfoot loitering, standing with a guy from the government. And they were actually having a freaking conversation. Right, yep. Yes, I don't. I'm sure you guys are both going. Yes, yeah. oh, I yeah. mean, if that story is true, my God, five percent of that story is true. Yeah, if just yeah, if just did you say five percent? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I guess the question is, and I'm not one of those people that actually believe. I I, I know I couldn't do it, and I've heard and you guys have heard a lot of people say this that if they had the opportunity, they would kill one just to prove the point. And I'm like, no. that'd be the same. It's like shooting a guy. Yeah. Huh? It's like shooting a guy. It's just. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. 
The only right. way, um, if it's coming after me is one thing. If it's, yeah, you know, if it's you're just right. Your life and death is one thing. Yeah. But to kill one of these creatures just to, to prove a point, I, I, I just think it's, that's the closest thing to murder that, that, that there could be, whether, whether or not they are, you know, they put them in the precious category of humanity. Uh, but it's just, what does that mean to the world? And I, and, and I think we're this close to coming out, maybe even this year and maybe in the next couple of months of the government making an admission that we've never been alone. But how does that change? And that's the other thing. Maybe if we have the pleasure of talking to you again, I would love to have a conversation about disclosure. So, so let's I, say that was... encrypted has been beyond a shadow of a doubt proven to be true. What does that mean for the history and the reality of the world going forward? How is the world going to change if aliens are real, if Bigfoot is real, if the werewolf is real, if a ghost is real, and all the others, what does that mean for most of the world? And I'm going to say, based on the way that we have evolved in the last 70 years since Roswell, that we'll have a big, big day of news and the world just keeps going on and hardly skips a beat, unless it's extraterrestrial with all the with all the energy-changing paradigms, which would change everything. But if Bigfoot was revealed to be real tomorrow, what does that ultimately mean for Bill and Patty that live down on the quarter? Probably nothing because you still have a mortgage to pay. You yep. still have to put food on the table. But for the rest of us, it's going to be a groundbreaking event to try and source that out. And what does that mean? Protected species? Uh, we could have a long conversation on that premise. Yeah. And it's been a blast. So what I would suggest, if you guys are open to it, we'd love to invite you back on for our Patreon and so that'll be that's behind our paid wall, so we can talk oh, more cool. stuff that we can't share on the public stuff. Because I think we could have a really in-depth conversation on that topic. Yeah, we could. Because uh, we've done some research on that kind of stuff already. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you were talking about the uh, uh, just like the Patel the Patel studies back in the '60s is what would be the impact of extraterrestrial reality hitting the world and. You've got kind of like a War of the Worlds type reaction where people are throwing themselves off buildings and oh, committing suicide be, because life as we know it is over. That, that'd that be interesting, and I'd love that. All I'm going to say is Spotted Owl. Spotted Owl? That's it. That's all I'm going to say. You'll have to hold on for the rest. Oh, he's like your manatee <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> I do my hooks. No, I think owl. I can speak for mom when I say this from the bottom of our hearts. I've we have had an absolute blast tonight. You guys are the best. We love we love the stories and the and the time and the venue to be able to share our thoughts and our stories. And uh, I can't I can't wait to talk to you all again. And one of the things we definitely want to do, uh, given the depth and breadth of your your show, my God, I, I I didn't know it before we met you. Is just how many people you've talked to in the past. We have a wonderful way. Um, we have a wonderful backlog of your shows now to go back and enjoy. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so happy that we might've stimulated some thought for oh, did. other listeners out there to continue to do the research. And hopefully we've provided some decent entertainment for the last couple of hours. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd say so, so. Thank you guys so much. This has literally <laughs> been amazing. We can't wait to have you back on. Yeah. We'll talk about that after <laughs> here in a second, but how we like to end it here is that we'll all, well, I'm going to count down from three. And we're all going to scream bye, and the outro will play. Are you guys okay with that? Mm -hmm. We're going to scream what? We're going to scream bye. Just, like, just scream bye.
Oh, bye. Okay, okay. You ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's that? the best way to help our show grow. Dang. Leave a comment, rate us, like a five-star review, and remember, We're there's always extra content Exposure. on Patreon slash Crips of the Corn. And don't I'm forget, really stay magical. I want to play all the way out. Why'd it cut short? No I wish we had just done that from the beginning. I feel bad for Rooney's encounter. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.